Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face, episode 314 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. We're here for the next couple hours to discuss the biggest and the brightest in gaming for the week. And alongside me to do that is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? We should have had pie. What kind of pie? Any pie. It's pie episode 314. Three point, oh, you're right. 3.14. Do you ever? Do you know any of the numbers that come after the 3.14? Not really. I don't either. I don't remember them. <laughs> Not that they really matter. Uh, welcome to the pie episode of Game Face. Although there is no pie. Although I do love pie. What's your favorite kind of pie, Matt? Key lime. Pretty good. That's a good one. Banana cream mm. pie, I think, is my favorite. Mm. All pie is pretty awesome, though. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong with pie. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing good. Hope you're having a good uh, start to your week. Um... Let's see, some housekeeping stuff we got to discuss here. Uh, first of all, we're back at a normal day and time after doing last week's show on Wednesday uh, so we could get in all the Gamescom stuff. Um, we're not doing a show next week, though. Labor Day weekend is coming up here in the U.S. I am taking my first time off for the entire year this weekend. Um, I'm actually leaving tomorrow, and I'm going to be on the East Coast in Pennsylvania uh, through Labor Day weekend, and then I fly back the day after Labor Day on Tuesday, so I don't get back into Los Angeles until Tuesday evening. There is a possibility we could push the show to like maybe Friday of next week, but you guys know how that works, and that, that's a domino, which makes it really hard to do a show then on the following Tuesday. As I always say, if you want to know what's going on with Game Face and Sifted, make sure you follow the site on Twitter, at Sifted Games. Uh, that's where we communicate with everybody as far as what's going on with the show and what's going on with the site and all our content, so make sure that you do that. Uh, and while you're doing that, why not head over to patreon.com sifted and give us a pledge. We're supported 100% by basically donations at Patreon. Uh, and if you like what we're doing and you want to see it continue, just head on over there. You can give us a dollar a month. You can give us a bajillion dollars a month, whatever works for you. Uh, Matt, how has your week been? Uh, all right. Uneventful, I guess. Yeah. Um, I saw the um, George Miller movie. Which George Miller movie? 3,000 Years of Longing. Oh, yeah. Idris Elba is a genie. Yeah, it's kind of flying under the radar. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Um, definitely George Miller movie, but not really what the tra the trailer makes it look kind of like chaotic and wacky mm -hmm. a little bit. It's it's much more uh, introspective than it's, it's. A lot of it is is just Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton talking in a room, which oh. is which is great. You know, like you watch those those two just act forever. Um, that was cool. And uh, one of the short films played uh, this week in oh, cool. uh, uh, a theater in NoHo to qualify for the Oscars. You oh. play for you play for a week somewhere and that's a theatrical run oh so we, we kind of opened for that movie oh with, cool because they ran us at one and then that movie at 130 oh awesome so, like, so we, we opened for george miller a little bit <laughs> that's great <laughs> congratulations so that's good what was um, that movie that you told me to watch on it was either netflix or amazon it's called rrr like, yeah i watched that yeah. well i started watching mm -hmm. it the first 30 or 40 minutes of that movie are insane mm -hmm. Yep. Then it got a little hard to watch after that. Disagree. But yeah. keep stick with it. There's other stuff like the beginning that show up that shows up later. There's okay. some there's stuff coming. Once don't, it got into the actual like movie with the acting and the plot. Don't let the friendship like courting the girl stuff throw you off. There's a the man attacks everybody the man attacks Britain with an entire zoo at one point. <laughs> okay. Um there's the escape scene which is crazy cuz there's a whole shoulder riding fight 
choreography thing, and then when they take on the entire British Empire in, a, in the forest. <laughs> um, no, keep, stick with it. Okay. Stick with it. I made it, it like 45 it does become, minutes in. It does become very, um, I mean, it's a three-hour movie. It's, yeah. it's a big epic, but uh, yeah, it, it does become sort of uh, talky at one point, but no, stick with it. It, it, it brings it around. It's <laughs> 30 minutes of that movie? I'm telling you, people. Just at least watch the first half hour of it. It is bonkers. Really unlike mm. anything I've ever seen before. I mean, if you've seen Hollywood <laughs> movies before, you've seen... <laughs> that director has done stuff like that. Oh, really? That's his trade. He's kind of the... That's what he's known for is these over-the-top yeah. action things. And, and you know, there's a, there's a whole genre of Indian action cinema that just does stuff like that. You yeah. may have seen the, the clip or the gif of the the cop that just steps out and shoots the SUV in the tire and it just turns and flips sideways. No, I haven't and seen And as it flips actually. over him, he reaches into the passenger seat and pulls the guy he's after no. out of the car and like handcuffs that. him on the ground as the, as the car is spinning over them. Like that kind of stuff. No, I haven't seen that. The actually. director of RRR, one of the movies he did is a, it's a, like a mythical kind of historical, maybe like a Mahabharata kind of like a, like yeah. a historical mythic epic, like a, like what we would do for like ancient Greece or something. Yeah. And, um, at one point, they came, like the heroes. Came, I think played by this one of the guys who's the leads in RRR. Cannot they can't get into this fortress, so he just calls all his bros up on this catapult, and they stand on the catapult, and the catapult launches them. And in midair, they all hold, gra- grab hands and form a circle with their shields out, which makes them invincible because their shields are <laughs> right. out. So they crash through on the side of the battlements through all the guys guarding the fort, and then they, they when they hit the ground, they split apart. And all land in perfect formation and, and like a perfect <laughs> fighting stance, and then this huge fight starts. Oh. So that's sort of, and you know, you've seen RR, you know, yep. it's that thing. It's like it doesn't look realistic, but they're playing it comes so straight that yeah. you kind of just gotta go <laughs> it with really it. Really is bizarre. You know? Yeah, you know, that like, was on Netflix. Is that right? Uh, RRR is on Netflix. Netflix yeah. yeah, you should give it a watch at least for the first like thirty or forty minutes. It's bonkers. No, go for it. You haven't seen the best stuff. Okay, not at all. All right. At the very least, I'll scrub through it and start looking yeah. for the crazy stuff. But I mean, I already saw a lot of it, and it is crazy. Uh, a final thing before we get going. Um, there's one game that I didn't get a chance to play, but I came over here and Matt was giving it a go, and that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: mm-hmm. The Cowabunga Collection. Matt. Somehow that managed to just launch like completely stealth. Like there's really no yeah, it was really weird or promotion I, for it. Because I looked yesterday. Because I'm like, isn't this supposed to be out soon? And or did I miss it? Like and I looked, the game's coming soon. Nothing. Game's already out. Nothing on the Xbox Store and stuff. So I did a search for it and I found it, and it just said unavailable. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so then I looked this morning, still not on the coming soon, still not on the new game, still not in the pre-order section. So I searched again, and there it was, and I could just buy it. But it's, it's buried. I got it was it's nowhere in mm. the promotional it's stuff. Very weird. It's very strange. How much did you get to play it? I played. Uh, I played through like the first few stages of the original arcade game and some tournament fighters on both Super Nintendo and Genesis. And I booted up the NES game and I looked through some of the extras. Extensive extras, like the you know, mostly screenshots and of like comic covers and and the animate various animated series, but they do have um, design docs for a lot of the games, which are always interesting to look through. Like the design docs for the old arcade game and like showing how they get a, they want them to be electrocuted and all this stuff and like how to make the, the what the weapons should do. Like that stuff's very interesting. Like you know 80s level 80s era design docs where it was just like one guy <laughs> where sketching they, where stuff they literally drew on like grid paper yeah it's just yeah. it's just like i'm gonna draw a bunch of stuff and you guys can figure out how that works like <laughs> yeah. how many games are in that collection again 13 i think yeah i thought there was a lot i think it's uh it's a bunch of versions of things because there were you know, it's, it's the two arcade games 
Ninja, you know, the Ninja Turtles and um, Turtles in Time, mm -hmm. and then the Super Nintendo version of Turtles in Time, and the NES version of uh, the arcade game, the and the NES original NES game, which is like the side scroller. Yep. And three versions of Tournament Fighters because there was a Super, there was a Super Nintendo and a Genesis and an NES one. The three Game Boy games, um, Hyperstone Heist. Mm -hmm. uh, which is the Genesis one, yeah. and a couple others in there somewhere. But uh, a lot of redundancies. There's a few dupes. I mean, none of them are exactly the same. Like, the Genesis and Super Nintendo versions of Tournament Fighters are completely different. Yeah, they're different games. Like, yeah. absolutely different. Yep. Um, but, it's, it's, I mean, it's a very complete collection, like, of that era. Like, there's... You're How not, they seem to run and look so far. fine. And yeah. if you had a rewind feature, um, you can save them whenever you want. Um, so, if you have a section you know you're going to suck at, you can just... You know, save that game and re save that game and reload it before that, or you rewind it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 got all the stuff you'd expect from a modern you know retro thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's at forty bucks is a little much. That seems a little steep. Um, but... Unless you're a real big fan, I'm a moderately big fan yeah. of Ninja Turtle. I was a little old when they when they hit, um, but I'd read the comics before that, mm -hmm. so I was kind of interested. I like the, I'm more of an old original. Comics where they were, you know, basically R-rated Daredevil. Yeah, they were not they, really made for kids. No, they were. Yeah. They were basically an R-rated parody of Frank Miller and Daredevil stuff. And yeah. like the, first, I mean, the first issue, they they kill like a hundred people. Yeah, and like really violent murder, shredder, horror. I mean, it's it's uh, early on. It's very much not not for kids. Yeah. Until someone must have pointed out, like, hey, if you sell this to kids, you'll make a lot of money. If you make one of them break dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, if you like Turtles and the Turtles stuff, or, like, you have fond memories and you haven't read the the modern IDW stuff, uh, the modern IDW uh, continuity is really good. And especially has gotten really good recently because they introduced, like, a plot line over the last few years, like, a thread of the idea that Michelangelo is actually the best of them like he's actually like the, has the most potential to be the greatest warrior mm -hmm. but he doesn't want to be because he's he's i mean he's a party dude as right? we know <laughs> he's like but back. also part of the reason he's a party dude in in this series is because he doesn't want to kill people he doesn't right. want to be violent he doesn't want to yeah. be a he's warrior the pacifist monster. of the group yeah. yeah and and like there's a there's a scene where splinter tries to like kind of take him to task and he beats splinter <laughs> like real humiliating and like ev and the others are like <gasps> And like Raphael's yeah. like, nice. And, <laughs> but he like slaps Splinter around a little yeah. bit. And he's like, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Because uh, um, there's a point where they basically beat the Foot Clan and then Shredder, uh, Splinter turns it on him and is like, now we're going to run the Foot Clan. I'm going to run the Foot Clan. And they're like, no, we did this because we wanted to like get rid of the Foot right. Clan. He's like, no, now we're going to use it as a force for good. And, uh, and Michael Land's like, that's nope. not possible. <laughs> that's like, not happening. And yeah. um, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, and they introduce a, a human woman who gets turned into a turtle through a blood transfusion, and they kind of deal with the implications of some of that, and it's very interesting. Like it's 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 uh, like they get That's into funny. some shit. Um, so yeah, IDW Ninja Turtles. If you're if you're in a Ninja Turtles mood and you want something more written for the adult fan who kind of has some backstory on things, that's a pretty good series to look at. It's all in Comicsology and all those okay digital places. There you go, your little history lesson on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games and comics. Yeah, it is definitely not what people think it is. At least no, there's a lot of way. different versions of them, and like I know most people probably think directly either of the live action films or the. Um, the original 80s comic cartoon series mm -hmm. um although the the live act i remember when the live action film came out in 1990 it was a the biggest comic book movie of all time at the box office which no one 
knew what to do with at the time. The fact that it was like number one for like three straight weeks at the box office was like, what in the hell? Um, also, speaking of box office, um, the initiate, I think the in- invitation is the number one movie in the box office this week, this week, this past weekend. Oh, like a little horror movie. Uh, written by Blair Butler. Wait, was, that was written by Blair? Yep. No way. So G, G4 alumni, alumni. Wow, you don't know Blair, but she was the lead writer on lead X-Play. Lead writer. She was drunk writer on X-Play. She was, she was the comic scroll on Attack of the Show. She, yeah, was, she did what was called Fresh Ink, the yeah, segment on Fresh Attack Ink. of the Show. We love Blair, awesome person. Yeah, so she, she was with she was with us since we started X, like 2003. Yeah. She was came on as the writer, and she was at G4 until the end. Yeah. So um, and now that's she's, amazing. She, she had put out a horrible horror movie before that too. Yeah. Well, she says this one's not too great either. Oh but, really? But it's still it's, doing it's well. Number it's number one at the box office summer 2022. You can never. That's all. That that's matters. all. No, no, no. <laughs> you, she Blair Butler wrote a number one box office hit. That's amazing. Done. She is End really talented too. She is, and she got. If you look her up on Variety, they they're talking about her new project, which she says is going very well too. That's great. Um, that's amazing. And if you watch the trailer for Bros. That new uh, the new gay comedy thing. Uh, about forty five seconds in, you will see Guy Branham, who was the other writer, who for replaced X-Play. Blair replaced as Blair. the lead writer on X Play. Um, and you've seen he was on the show a lot too, and on the other the other stuff on G four is a G four again G four to the end. Yeah. Um, but he's got a good a good uh, section in that trailer and has and it gets the a funniest good, joke. Good, yeah, I got the funniest joke in the trailer yeah. for sure. So G four alumni alumni making good in on the big screen. It's good to see. Yep, absolutely. Uh, before we get going, let's check in with you guys and see how you guys are doing. Um, I saw while we were away from the last episode to this one, a lot of you guys jumped in and subscribed with Twitch Prime. I want to thank all you guys who did that. Um, Chessire, Tomcat, Steam, um, Veyanord, Magister Cato, Commander Fett, and Slagathor all subscribed with Twitch Prime while we were away. Um, and now since we've got back, it's Cory Film, Texture Glitch, Glottis 021, is there anybody else? Steady Decline. I identify with that. That's a great name. Um, Thank you guys for Twitch Prime. We really, really appreciate it. We really need it. And every single person that does it, we appreciate it. And we thank you very, very much. Uh, Let's see what else you guys are up to. Hmm. Can't say no to pumpkin pie. Pot pie. That's (laughs) Justin Orman. Johnny Hurricane's favorite pie is pot pie. Interesting. Okay. There's always someone that's got to take it to the savory. (laughs) Oh, look. Manuel's back. He must be back from Germany already. Oh yeah. I saw some Robert. I saw some pictures of you on IGN's Twitter account. Uh, you were running around like a maniac in the war room. It looked like mm-hmm. uh, before we went live, Matt and I were marveling at how many people IGN still sends to cover Gamescom. <laughs> it's really insane how many people go all the way over there for IGN. Now I do realize it's probably been a while since IGN has sent a big crew like that. But holy cow, man! Like even back in the heyday of game trailers the most people we'd ever send to cover anything was like eight yeah but ign's doing live stuff yeah. like on the floor and things like that yeah, yeah. it's sent, pretty amazing all the people that they send carrado and all the all the all the crew david 5807 thank you for twitch prime is that the dude who plays bass on youtube <laughs> no that's davy 504 or something like that uh we talked about him a couple weeks ago um yeah okay 
IGN only needs like four people to cover a con. Agent from Agent Music Wolf 408. No, that is not true. You you need. I more mean, if all you're doing is writing articles, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're just like, going to co- do the coverage and then come back, but they you have, still need more than. No, they four. have daily live live yeah. broadcasts from the floor with like big. You know, they're they're doing like what G4 used to do. Yeah, but you figure like the crew for their live setup there. You need three camera guys. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, at the very least, you're hiring locally for a lot of that. You're right. Yeah, a lot one of the way, camera one guys or the other. I mean, maybe you could get away with hiring tons of local people and only sending like four editors yeah but like now nah, modern like something the way ign does it you that's a that's a crew of 30 i would think no it's i think it was bigger than that i, mean, I think you're still hiring locally for that <laughs> yeah. but like yeah um and then game manual says five days of coverage with the awards and yeah. the cosplay all included so yeah i mean is that worth doing that's another question but to do what yeah. they were doing you need you need a crew that size congratulations by the way on going all the way over there and doing a great job with IGN's coverage. Um, sounds like everything went well, and that's great to see. Yeah. Hopefully ever, nobody came back with a plague. That's true. Yeah, hopefully everybody came back healthy. That's probably what's most important. You need 30 people. Be, it's not way overdoing it. That's how much it takes to do a live production. People don't get it, Matt. See, but see, here's what's happened, Matt. Everyone is conditioned to think, like, all you need is, like, a dude in a chair with a no, webcam. No, that's like, a huge, you know, G4's but lot. you got to realize, Matt, to the modern person, that's all they need and want. They, yeah. they actually prefer the dude sitting at home that doesn't even go to the con mm-hmm. and watches what everybody else does and then delivers his pontification. Yeah. <laughs> but to like, do what what they do, like what you know, when G4 used to do that for E3, our crew was like 400 people. Yeah. Like it, was, like they, it takes a lot of people to put anything on the screen. Doesn't matter how simply you think it looks. Yeah, like I mean, honestly, this show sh- should take a lot more people than it does. <laughs> yeah, to be more comfortable, this show should probably have a crew of like eight or nine. And the only reason it doesn't is because I work my ass off. I do the work of the eight or nine people to get this show together, and I run the TriCaster while we're doing the show live, yeah. while I'm hosting a show live. Nobody does that. Nobody. So I think a lot of people get almost, spoiled by watching anyone else Patreons or YouTubers or streamers. Yeah, or almost us. anyone else would have just changed to a pre-recorded format. Probably. At that point. Yep. So. You're probably right. But we like to bring it to you guys live for this very reason. The back and forth between us and you guys in chat is amazing. You guys add a lot of context. You fact check us in real time, which is great. So we don't have to like come back the next episode and be like, this is what we got wrong in the last episode. You guys do it for us live. And you're awesome. And you're giving people free stuff. And you're, it's just amazing. Jeff Lynn, 99. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Again, you guys rock. Uh, Stolte, 69. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, and I have worked in television and live production for 22 years. And I say you're wrong. 30 <laughs> is a pretty small crew for what IGN does. I'm estimating yeah. that. Yeah. I promise. Because you got to also realize that they're not, it's not just that. They have crews that are going out on the floor yeah. doing interviews with developers and publishers and influencers. And, and all that's happening simultaneously. Yeah. And you have like two or three. And these e- people work. You, you can't work them all day. You yeah. can't work them forever. They need breaks. They need all that. Well, you have like three ENG crews doing that. So you have the camera. You have the audio. You have the talent who's going to do the interviews. You have the producer who's coordinated everything. So there's four or five people with each one of those. That's 15 people right there. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the live streams. Yeah, like, and you're not even bringing in uh, you know local camera, local yeah. local sound, local, yeah. all that. You know, makeup, yep. hair, like it, it's all in play. Yeah, we've done this for literally like 20 years. Trust us on this one. Like we know what mm-hmm. we're talking about. I know nobody wants to believe people anymore on the internet, and they'd rather just listen to someone who sits in a basement with a webcam. But there are certain things that you can only learn from experience. Trust us on this one. We mm-hmm. know what we're talking about. 
Um, someone's asking for corrections music. <laughs> uh, we should get going because mm-hmm. I do have a hard out today. I have to be back at my place by like 5 or 5.15. So it's going to be tight. So we need to get going. And that is what we're going to do. We're going to kick things off with easily the biggest story of the week and not one that I think a lot of people are particularly happy about. Um, it was announced this week by PlayStation that it is increasing the price of the PlayStation 5. Now, it does get a little granular. Different territories have different price increases, but generally, the price increase is $50 for the most part. Canada's a little less. I think mm-hmm. it's $20 Canada dollars, like, but it's like 30 pounds in, loonies. I don't know. in England, which is 50 bucks. It's 50 euro. Um, so generally, it's a $50 price increase for the PlayStation 5. Pactor had this question asked of him literally in this last batch. Like that episode went up free for everybody just like a week ago where he said he did not believe that they would increase the price. He was wrong. Mm-hmm. I do think he, just, he did have some caveats. If this were happened and that happened, then maybe, but it's a bad idea. And so I don't think that they will. Um, well, he believes it's a bad idea. I believe it's a bad idea. And PlayStation did. Um, first of all, let's talk about the $50. Is the $50 a big deal, Matt, at all? Might be to someone. You know, yeah. That's a game or most of a game. Yeah. Like the difference between having coming home with an extra game and coming home with a console at all. Um, the main thing about it is I've just never heard of it happening before. For like anything. Like, a, a console going up in price two years after it came out is, I mean, I know it's not happening in the US, but it's like it's, it's partly due to, you know, exchange rates and inflation, but it's just, I've just, that's not a thing. I've never heard of this happening with anything. Ever. It's incredible. It, with and not, Microsoft instantly comes up like, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. So PlayStation, obviously, it's very defensive about this because no one's heard of this ever happening before. That's just the way it yeah. is. But so PlayStation had a bunch of quotes prepared to share with the public and its fans. Um, here's the first one. Quote, we're seeing high global inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends impacting consumers and creating pressure on many industries. Based on these challenging economic conditions, Sony Interactive Entertainment has made the difficult decision to increase the recommended retail price of PlayStation 5 in select markets, including Europe, the United Kingdom, Japan, China, Australia, Mexico, and Canada. And as we said, this generally around 50 bucks, pretty much in all those territories, it's a little less in Canada. And then the quote continues, it's a necessity. This is the part that rubs me the wrong way. It's a necessity. Given the current global economic environment and its impact on Sony Interactive Entertainment's business, well, apparently not, Matt. If it was a necessity, wouldn't Xbox be doing it? You'd think. I mean, what this tells me, to some degree, is that they are selling the PlayStation Five on a slim margin. So here's the rub with that. In a last year, by the way, in a financial statement where they were talking with with um, stockholders. PlayStation let slip that it was already turning a profit on the disc-based version mm-hmm. of PlayStation 5. Yeah, but that might have changed by now. It because of could have. I mean, this was last year. Yeah, the, the shift in inflation and, and exchange rates have been so drastic in the past year, that could easily have changed. Maybe. Yeah, could have. Maybe. Um, I, I there's got to be something in here because there's no reason to do this otherwise. Like, there's no, like, no, one, like, no one in Sony is dumb enough to think that this was going to be received well. Like, this is a necessity for some reason. 
Well, I mean, they thought it was a necessity to sell the, to sell the PlayStation 3 for 599 US dollars. Well, at the time, that probably was a necessity because of the specialization of having to make those stupid cell processors. Well, here's the thing. Sony does not want to eat any of the money. It right. wants to make a profit on its hardware. That, so mm-hmm. if that's your directive, then it is a necessity. Mm-hmm. If your objective is to not lose money on your hardware, and now you're losing money on your hardware, from your perspective... It is a necessity. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's your marching orders from the top, that is a necessity. And I would say that's probably the case because PlayStation, sadly, yeah. does make up the bulk of Sony's sales at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there, yeah, it didn't used to be the case. It used to be the case they were willing to sell at a loss, like, the yeah. razor, you know, the razor blade model. Right. Um, but they definitely have tried to shift into more of a Nintendo situation where they're making money on the hardware. And uh, they picked... They picked um, you know, I don't think Cerny designed the system with that in mind. No. And and he shouldn't have. I mean, no. that, that's not a mistake. Yeah. Um, and if, they gotta, if they're going to stick to that directive, then this is, I guess, what's got to happen. Um, and you're probably right that this is one of, their few, one of Sony's few profitable divisions, and they want to keep it that way. Yeah. A lot of people are... Especially in- when they don't have a lot of exclusives kind of sucking up the revenue. You know, we've got, yeah. got a war coming, but, like, they, they've had a pretty dry year in terms of, you know, the 10 oh, to yeah. 15 million sellers. Yeah. I could see financially they're probably not doing great. Honestly, mm-hmm. right now, um, a lot of people aren't. We're not. Everybody is in is hurting right now because people don't have a lot of disposable income. Like yeah, it, the gas companies are doing pretty well. Yeah, well, the oil companies yeah. and people who decide to gouge us, like Kroger, like the mm-hmm. the the grocery store conglomerates, they're doing great because they're gouging us for prices. They don't even need to increase the prices. In a lot of cases, they just are. Yeah, because they know people expect it. Yeah. What I've seen a lot of pushback about and a lot of questions about since this was announced is why is the United States spared from the price increase? Mm -hmm. And the reason that is, is because the U.S. dollar right now is incredibly strong, Mm -hmm. stronger than it has been maybe in the last like 20 or 30 years. No matter where you go, like, you know, we have our trip to Greece coming up in Mm -hmm. October. And right now, the conversion rate to euro is better than it has ever been. Yeah, I did a, I got a thing from Japan the other day. Oh, the the yen. And the, yeah. I mean, traditionally, you know, especially like when we used to go yep. to for TGS, like the, the general, you know, it fluctuates, but the general rule of thumb is one yen for one cent. Like a yeah. hundred yen is a dollar. Yeah. And I, I think it was like hundred and thirty-eight yen, and it and the 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 conversion was eighty bucks. Yeah. Like, that's unreal to me. Like, I've never seen the exchange rate. But you mean 138,000? 138,000 yen. Yeah. yeah. And it became 80 bucks. 80 bucks. Yeah. It's, that is why this has happened. The U.S. Yeah. dollar right now. The euro is worth less than the dollar. It is. I mean, I mean which is remember when it used of. to be two bucks? Yeah. I mean, that was extreme. That was a long usually time ago. Like it's like 1.5, 1.6. Or like the pound. I don't know what the pound's doing right now. The pound's now. usually pound's also usually like a buck 50. Usually has a pretty good conversion rate to U.S. Yeah. dollars. Pounds yep. usually have been like a buck 50 to two bucks when I've been there. Yep. I always enjoyed the pound coins because it was yeah. carrying so much money in your pocket <laughs> in coin form. And yeah. like you could you can't do that in America. No. They tried to introduce those, those dollar coins. Coins and nobody, nah, and nobody they never caught them. on. Yeah, nobody wanted Sacagawea them. dollars. It's just like yeah, there's like five vending machines that took them, and that was it. Yep. So as Matt said, immediately Xbox came out and said, "We are not increasing our price. We're good." Mm-hmm. How is this going to impact things, if at all? I mean, probably not much. Yeah. Um, people still want that system. They're going to want God of War. It's still hard to find. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people have been paying a thousand bucks for these things. They're going to pay 550. Yeah. Know? That's kind of my next point is one, do you think increasing the price hurts the scalpers? And two, would you rather give your money to Sony than a scalper? I'd definitely rather give my money to Sony. 
Um, so this is me playing devil's advocate, kind kind of looking on the bright side of this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I mean, the the concern remains availability. You know, like right? Yeah, you know, I don't think fifty bucks one way or the other is going to really change how available these. I things doubt are. it either. So yeah, because of the prices, the scalpers were getting away with like still way less than five fifty. You know, like. But now their profit margins are less. Do you think that actually deters less. them no. from? I don't either, no. honestly. They'll just raise it another fifty bucks. Yeah. And if you can't get any, what else? What choice do you? Your choice is to not support the scalper or to just, you know, bite the bullet and get your system. Yeah. The question, uh, one question on Pactor Factor this week uh, that hasn't gone out for free to everyone else on YouTube yet is um, how much do the price increases like really affect stuff basically? Mm-hmm. And you know, this is an aside to the main question. He basically says, you know, it doesn't affect things all that much. No. So. It's it's just a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, we've never seen that before. I mean, it's almost more interesting from just like a general economic side of things because it's like, oh, that's that's weird. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and traditionally, I think most of the console manufacturers in the in the in the history of the industry would have been terrified to raise the price on something like like this is not done. It's just not done. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you could probably chalk some of this up to Sony arrogant Sony. And look, this it, is a once in a generation like experience that we're having right yeah. now like a pandemic yeah. like this it just it hasn't happened in a hundred years it probably won't happen for another hundred years oh. it's just <laughs> i would hope not but i think we'll see another one before we're we're going maybe but the, the point is it hasn't happened since 1918 it's mm. been over a hundred years since it last happened and so a lot of people we've all been caught off guard by it we didn't know how it was well, going to we, affect us we, we, we headed it off at the pass as long as we could now the bills are coming due. well we, we did we were prepared for it and then somebody right dismantled the preparation system for yeah, it. yeah that's true so uh we we did we were pretty pretty prepared until a certain dipshit uh, decided to just decided to dismantle whole... it and convince people not to listen to science. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we, we could have handled it better. Um, we just... Maybe next time we will. Elections but... have consequences, and this is one of them. Yeah. So. My point, though, is that, like, I don't think it... We, we did things to kick the can down the road. Yeah. To keep our economy afloat while we could now those bills are coming due there's nothing else we can do to kick right. the can down well, the road now like, the kid the can now we're at the can <laughs> yeah well we're, we're you know there are ways you can handle it's gonna want something like that's gonna happen it's like you can prepare for the earthquake all you want mm-hmm. but it's gonna happen yeah um so you don't think it has it'll have any impact on the console war between i don't think so i think it'll have very little impact at all i mean it is great the microsoft is not going to increase the prices of its hardware oh, yeah. Um, that's commendable because Microsoft. Let's be honest. If if PlayStation's losing money, Microsoft is probably losing money on the hardware too. Mm-hmm. At this point, uh, so it is willing to. Microsoft eat. just doesn't care. Yeah, it just it doesn't even really care about selling hardware. Period. No. So why would it increase the price? No. It's and even if it thought it was thinking, you know, I don't think Microsoft's under the same make a profit on the hardware mandate because Microsoft has revenue coming in from all these other places. Yeah. Sony. It's also not Microsoft's biggest business. It doesn't need to no, rely on the Xbox brand to stay afloat. Like you know, and meanwhile you got Sony. Like where are they making their money? Basically, they're they're making money off of the the movies that that uh, Marvel Studios makes for them, and that's about it. Like, yeah. and they got you know they lost more revenue this year by having to move uh, across the Spider Verse to next year. Yep. Like, there's a lot of shit going on there that Sony just you know, a little extra cash flow might help. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, certainly they didn't get anything out of Morbius. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, their other businesses are just not doing yeah, well. They, their TV business is getting eaten up by yeah. LG. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's bad. Their consumer electronics and TCL part of the company, is taking up the the, the back the end low of that. End. Like, it's just yeah. There's no yeah. there's no respite. There's there. no window for them yeah. anymore in that business. So Sony needs PlayStation to generate a lot of its profit and a lot of its revenue at this point, mm-hmm. and that's what you get sometimes. Um, would you reconsider buying a PlayStation Five? At five fifty now instead of five hundred. No, still the same. Yeah, fifty bucks isn't that much of a difference when I'm already spending five hundred. Yeah, and for God's sake, for a lot of people, tax is ninety in California. It's it's, we're already in for you know in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, for a lot of people, if they're spending the money to get it scalped, right? That fifty bucks doesn't mean hardly anything because they're already getting gouged so horribly. Yeah, at least this way you got tracking on your shipment. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Pactor was also asked in a recent episode, like, should the government make scalping illegal? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I'm not surprised yeah. by that. But there's just, the problem really is well, there's no can, way to enforce, enforce it. Yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah, it, Technically, it is, like, illegal to scalp, like, tickets and things mm-hmm. like that. But, like, you can't, no one enforces that. There's no, no way to, to do that. Yeah, there, there really isn't. So, it sucks, Especially if you haven't managed to find one yet, because do you think this makes them harder to find or easier to find? It should make them a little easier to find, maybe? I don't think it's going to make a difference. Any difference at all? The, the demand is is so high and they disappear so fast that clearly, I mean, maybe maybe you have 5 to 10% of the people that are looking for them that might reconsider because of the 50 buck. Pro- but then you still got tons of other people that are fine with it. Yeah. It's... You know, fifty bucks is very different from five hundred. It is, you know, yeah. like the the that's not a scalper price raise. That's just like a little bump. It's, you know, if you're not willing to spend eight hundred to a thousand on a PlayStation Five, I th- think a lot of people that would say that are still willing to pay five fifty for one, especially if it's just the price it costs now. Yeah. If everyone else has to pay that price too, I think that makes it a little different from a scalper price. Uh, let's get to some questions because there are a lot of them actually in chat from you guys, and I'm not surprised. This is a big, big story. Uh, Cinetike asks, how big is the casual market that will go for Series X because it's cheaper plus Game Pass and don't decide based on the exclusives? I mean, that's a it's good question. It's pretty big. I don't know. Um, I don't think we can know that. I think generally, and this is just anecdotally, just from my years of experience in the industry, I think generally it's like 50%. It's 50% hardcore, 50% casuals. That's a figure that I've come to throughout all my years of working in this industry. And, and it's all anecdotal, but just looking at the data, talking to people, mm-hmm. knowing But I think people. a lot of that casual market really likes Sony's exclusives. Yeah, agreed. Like, I, I don't think that's a split on this. It, it might, might be a split in terms of how they treat gaming. But yeah. The other thing about it, You don't too, get 15, 20 million sales off of an exclusive if, if the casuals aren't into it. Oddly enough, I think the casuals care more about the exclusives than, like, right, the Right, because the they're not going to buy another game system. Because they're only going to buy a couple they're only games. The one thing, and they're only going to buy the one console. Right, exactly. And so I think, to them, exclusives are a bigger deal yeah. than they are to almost anyone else. Like, we, there's plenty of people that are going to be like, oh, I don't want to pay an extra 50 bucks and the Xbox is cheaper, but the Xbox doesn't have God of War. Yeah. Or because, whatever their preferred Sony Yeah. Because the, the more you know, and if, you, if you're watching this show, Game Face, or you watch other shows like Game Face, you're hardcore. And the more you know, the more hardcore you are, the more you realize that you can pretty much get by buying any of the three consoles. You, there may be a couple games here and there that make you salty that you can't play them. But for the most part, if you own a Switch or an Xbox Series console or a PlayStation 5, you're good. There's going to be plenty of games for you to play, no matter what you're into. It's the casual folks who don't get that. They mm-hmm. don't watch Game Face. They don't real, realize the breadth 
of the industry like our audience does. And so to them, they don't look at it like every console gets 85% all the same games. They just don't look at it that way. They only care about the exclusives, the games that they feel like they can only get on those consoles. And it's a, and it's a call between Halo and Gears of War versus God of War and The Last of Us and Sony Stable. And then obviously Nintendo's mm, excellent It used to first be Uncharted. Party. Yeah. And it may be again. Maybe it survived or whatever. But but yeah, I think... Maybe Forspoken is the next... Yeah, I think the casual not. market in this case actually may gravitate more to PlayStation 5 to answer Cinetech's question. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly I, most of the casual people I know ask about PS5s. They don't even yep, consider Xbox. they don't Xboxes. even ask me about Xbox. Yep, they all ask me how they can get a PS5. Yep. Everybody I know that is a casual player, they don't ask me about Xbox. They ask me, how can I get a PS5? Yeah. They barely know that there's a new Xbox. And if they do, they're just like, oh, it's like that. It's like the Xbox One X, or like they don't. The, the naming convention really confuses a lot of people. Yep, and understandably, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, just wait till the PSVR two price gets announced from Andy T. Monahan. Just you wait until we talk about it here in about yeah. five minutes. Um, let's see if we have any other ones here. Uh, Delfina one hundred nine Series S could be a Trojan horse and maybe more appealing than ever. Hmm. Not right now. Maybe maybe like once the, the acquired developers start pumping out content next year or so. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see a world in which Hellblade 2 becomes becomes a thing that the casual market is interested in. Yeah. If in it's marketed right. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Got word of mouth. Like, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be all at once. But, yeah. it w- you know, it's it's like there's, there are some things coming for Starfield. Yeah. There's some things coming for Xbox that could um, move hardware could move hardware and could really you know could be the beginning of you know a, a rush of casual people paying attention to that certain ip it's true um yeah. and that's part of what microsoft had to do they had to have the guts to like start some new stuff and they are and we'll see which ones stick to the wall basically yep uh agent music wolf 408 thank you for twitch prime the big smoke 82 thank you for twitch prime ashes in the hourglass asks do you think playstation will ever separate itself from sony no, no, but I think there might be a day where Sony basically breaks up and its comp- into its component companies, like other things. You know, I they've had an eye on selling off Sony Pictures for years. Yeah, uh, and they won't do that until the Spider-Man gravy train stops. Because if you in the con in the licensing contract, if someone buys Sony Pictures, the license for Spider-Man reverts back to Marvel. So if you buy Sony, you don't get Marvel, and the biggest thing you'd want from owning Sony is Marvel. Yeah. So uh, they already sold off Spider-Man. their cell phone business, didn't they? Yeah, they got rid of that. Um, the TV. I mean, they will probably liquidate some stuff at some point. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm thinking. Like, there's a point at which you probably liquidate that TV division. Yep. I think is someone it? asked a question about that. How it's doing? Not great. not very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Agent Music Wolf 408 says Mobius was not a flop. Is that true? Uh no, it was not. Didn't do great, and then they were dumb enough to re-release it, and nobody went and saw it. Hmm. A flop? I don't know. I'd have to look up the box strong words for that. Yeah, but it did not. It did not do Venom money. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, few few films do. And uh, I mean, Venom was a big hit. Yeah, it was a big. Even hit. though it was also kind of terrible. Yep. Um. Yeah, it, Morbius was just sort of embarrassing. Um, 163 million in the U.S. That's not amazing. Um, that's not terrible though. That's not a flop. Uh, 163 million worldwide. Oh, okay, that's not great. That's um, a little different. It was the that's still though even even if that was U.S. That's still not great. 163 no, not million. A, not for a Spider-Man spin. No, no. <laughs> it's um, not. 
So the, and remember the the general rule of thumb is you got to double your budget mm-hmm. to start making a profit. Yeah. Not to make them just to start. Yeah, to cover all the marketing, marketing, and, else. and all that's probably you know, is licensing stuff. Yeah. Um, budget for that is estimated seventy five million. So you double that, and you're looking at uh, one hundred and fifty. So maybe it pulled in like about ten. 10 15 million in profit that's nothing that's, yeah, that's garbage it's, it's not a yeah. flop it didn't lose money especially probably on streaming and rentals but you a do not have that dvd market stream anymore which yeah. used to be a really guaranteed income stream um yeah that's not a successful marvel picture yep is what that De- is definitely not for marvel no nope. didn't lose them money but it didn't make them money they, they need you know? yeah not like uh like warner brothers is about to need some serious revenue out of black adam to be able to afford to market uh shazam 2 properly um that's a problem it's a whole other thing yeah um i would not expect to see a morbius 2 no <laughs> that's, that's probably the best way to cap it off um, uh henry pumpkins thank you for twitch prime it's awesome man um one last question before we move on if somebody has one um, yeah, from Swan. Paramount will probably not buy Sony Pictures, but I can see Paramount. Uh, uh, no, I can see NBC Universal buying Warner Brothers in a couple of years. Okay. Uh, Swanlin asked, "Did you get any issues like your PS5 going into rest mode mid-game? I just bought one, and both times I've been playing it has happened. Wondering if there's a fix. I have uh, not had that issue with had PS5. That. I, I have that stupid LAN cable is disconnected thing sometimes, and I haven't had it. that problem. I have had problems." Every once in a while, this happens more with Xbox than with my PS5, of losing the handshake. Because I have my consoles going into my new receiver, and then from the receiver up to the TV. And sometimes mm. the HDMI handshakes to make sure you're not pirating, they get a little goofy. Mm. And it'll like the screen will go black for a little bit. It's gotten a lot better as my TV has got new firmware updates, and my Xbox and PlayStation 5 have got firmware updates. But I have not had an issue with it going into rest mode mid-game. Like I think you may have a defective unit or... You may just want to need, maybe you need to upgrade your firmware. I don't know. But that is not common, Swanlin, just so you know. Uh, okay. The um, my, my Xbox does the fl- black flash thing sometimes. Yep. But I've never had that happen on the PlayStation. Yeah, I've had it. It's more frequent on Xbox, but it has happened for me on hmm. PlayStation. Um, anyway, that we stuff need to is, That stuff is so weirdly specific to what your setup is and again all, all the little tweet it could be the brand of cable you have sometimes it it's is very weird yeah or the, or, yeah it's, it could it could be a number of things tracking that down is just it's hard impossible sometimes yep uh and then a second segment to this topic is playstation vr 2 as you guys asked about and we've been hinting at um it was confirmed this week by two different sources. It was confirmed by an ad that people spotted on Instagram. And then PlayStation UK just came out and just announced it on Twitter that PlayStation VR 2 will be launching in early 2023. Um, The big question now that they've increased the price of the PlayStation 5 is one, is it a good idea to release PlayStation VR 2 early in the year next year? And two, how much is play if they do that? How much is PlayStation VR going to cost? Uh, PlayStation VR is going to be five hundred dollars, so they'll be able to claim that it's still cheaper than the console. Yep. And it doesn't matter when they release it; it's going to crash and burn. Yeah. I think you just get it out at this point. Get really? It over, get it over with. Do you there, think that's PlayStation's perspective on this? I right have now? no idea what their perspective. I don't know. The fact that they made PSVR two means I don't know what their perspective <laughs> is. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> that's a good point because. Both of us were like, that's a bad idea. Yeah, so I don't... I mean, if you're going to do it, just do it. Get it over with. You know? I don't. Even have, I even wonder if 500 is going to get it done. 
I think it may be more. Could be. I think they're going to try to keep it under the price of the system. So I think five. So they could go up to five fifty now. They could. <laughs> well, not in the U.S. obviously, but other places they could. I think they're going to. If you if you make that more expensive than the system, you're out of your mind. Yeah. And like, yeah, the components do seem like they could probably have to do that, but like, that's nuts. Like, I yeah. think they're losing money on PS5 right now. Yeah. But also, like, PS5 is a proven thing. Like, console, video game consoles are not a thing you need to worry about. Is this going to be a thing that catches on or not? Particularly the PS5. You're going to be like, okay, we can kind of sell this for whatever we need to to get a margin on it. PlayStation VR 2, you got you to gotta make it a good deal to get anybody to even look at it twice, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think particularly after PlayStation VR 1. I don't think I'm the only one who bought it and regrets it. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. And even so, even if you didn't get sick playing PlayStation VR like I did, you could still regret it. Oh, I don't. I'm not super happy with my purchase. It just well, not not necessarily because of the quality of it or anything. I think it was the most comfortable headset. I got a lot of got a lot of fun out of it with the the Battlefront uh, X-wing thing and and you know squadrons and um, I had more fun watching other people play it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't get sick from it, so it didn't bother me. But like. Then the, they just stopped making games for it. Yeah. The last thing I software played, was last lacking. thing I played was what that Iron Man game. Yeah. And like I couldn't play because the load time load times on that game were like three minutes. That's like I'm not gonna sit there staring at nothing for. Yeah. I'm sweating my ass off in that thing. Yeah. I'm not gonna, it's not comfortable. I, I agree. I do agree with you though. I think it's going to crash and burn. Um, I don't see what I mean. What in the world could be on this thing that would make people want to throw that kind of money at something that they know at this point, this this you know, this far in, you know, almost everyone who's I know who's bought a VR headset, the thing ended up in a drawer yeah. after a year, especially ones with cables because bet, it's a I commitment. My, vi- my vibe has been in its box since I moved into this house five years wow. ago. Wow, you've like, never taken it no. out? No, well, because I, I have to drill <laughs> holes in the wall. Right. But the thing, yeah, yeah. it's like who who cares? Yeah. Yeah, Big Smoke 82 says I had the same exact experience with PlayStation VR. I got sick after 20 minutes, so sold it on. I never did sell mine. I regret it yeah, now. Should have. I should have sold it. Um, I never did, and it just no, it didn't matter. People would be like, "This game won't make you sick," and I'd play that game, and it would make me sick. I may last 11 minutes instead of eight minutes with that game. It won't make me sick. So yeah, it doesn't mean I just there's, I just ran out of stuff to do. I, I played that Star Trek bridge crew game for hours and hours and i was in that game for hours those were the only games i could play i could play like wolves among us mm-hmm. because i'm just sitting still and i'm just looking around about the arkham game because you're just sort of standing the there. arkham game i made it through most of the way but mm-hmm. generally anything that has like any sort of movement in it where i'm moving one direction and other things are moving the other direction on playstation vr it just killed me literally the... i wish like i were dead like it made me feel that rotten what was that like that crime one, Blood and Truth or something oh, yeah. like you know that? Yeah, it was made by the team that made The, the Getaway, get, the getaway right? Like the yeah. remnants of The Getaway people. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, but it, again, it like, made me sick, though. You got like one game a year mm-hmm. after the initial launch That's thing pretty much how it worked. looking at. Yeah. Uh, so I do not think the pro- if they If it comes out early next year, the prospects for PlayStation VR 2 are abysmal. Like I do think they should at least delay it till the fourth quarter of next year hopefully by then inflation will have had a chance to come down and people will have more disposable income and then hopefully they can sell it at a cheaper price because i agree with you it's at least going to be 500 dollars, and that is going to make it doa dead on arrival dead Mm -hmm. in the water no chance i mean i guess it's uh, you could launch it kind of soft launch it and get some just get like 200 units out there get some software 
going like have something have something in play so by the time it's time to push it that fall for holiday season you've actually got some stuff to show yeah and some units to move so like that's the only thing i could think of yep it's not Um, looking good but you gotta you just gotta get it done you just gotta you know yeah it's gonna be unpleasant but you just have to get it over with it feels like that's where we are with the playstation vr2 at this point it's not good uh, then a final note on Sony this week. It bought a mobile developer called Savage Game Studios. Um, the studio will work independently from the console side. Ashes to- in the Hourglass makes a good point. If VR2 launches with Hori- the Horizon game, it guarantees that Breath of the Wild 2 will be out a week later. <laughs> Every funny. time Horizon comes out with anything, a way more like, <laughs> critically acclaimed game comes out a week later. That's true. That's what happens. Yep, it does always happen that way for some reason. Um, anyway, Sony bought Savage Game Studios, um, and they're there to develop mobile games for PlayStation based on PlayStation's IP. Um, the crazy part about this, Matt, is that the company has only existed since 2020. Hmm. Basically. That explains why I don't know their name. Yep. It, it, and mobile games. <laughs> Well, apparently, the studio is kind of an all-star studio where they took a bunch of mobile developers from a bunch of different uh-huh. mobile studios and brought them all together into, like, this super team. The they, clashest of clans. They, exactly. They had to do nothing to get acquired by PlayStation. Mm-hmm. What, what message does this send to people in the industry right now? I mean, didn't kind of the same thing happen with Haven Studios? A little bit, Yeah. I mean, you're basically saying, like, you know what? Get a team together of people with great reputations in, for developing games, and then just wait. I mean, if you, I'm just kind of, you know, the music business <laughs> like that. just get rich. The music business like that, too, you know. Form a super group, and you're going to get a contract. It's crazy. Yeah. These guys, their company was formed in 2020, and they're now selling it for millions and millions of dollars I mean, that's, to PlayStation. That's the tech. With, like, hardly any output. A lot of the tech stuff, you know, if, you, if you're following kind of the, the sales and acquisition stuff, even in the, in the non-gaming space, it's all about who's involved, not what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is the guy who, you know, co-founded Snapchat? Yeah, I'm in. Right. Like, they think everything that that... Because yeah. everyone's, that person a, does is gonna everyone's be afraid to miss out on what the next thing, the guy who made the next, last big thing is going to do next. And generally, they never come up with another Very thing. Very rare. You have two <laughs> hits like that in one. Yep. Yeah. It never works out. Certainly not back-to-back. Yeah. But, like... Um, they, so, the I studio, mean, this is just sort of a miniature version of, you know, acquiring King... Yeah. Or pop cap or whatever. Yeah. It's just like you did one amazing thing that caught fire and we don't want anyone else to get that. Yeah. Even though you'll probably never come up with another idea like that again. Uh, they are working recycle on... recycle that same idea over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. They're working on a AAA mobile live service action game. So we've been asking, like, PlayStation has this goal of, what, 16 live service games by the end of 20... Or the mm-hmm. first quarter of 2024. And we keep wondering how they're going to get there. Every acquisition that PlayStation has made, and it has made a lot, by the way, now at this point, almost all of them, every developer studio is making a live service game. If you need any better indicator of where the industry is headed right now, PlayStation is telling you where the industry is headed. It is headed to a place with far fewer games, and every game is going to be a living, breathing amoeba that lives on and morphs and changes and gets added to and taken away from for years and years to come. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, particularly from PlayStation, because PlayStation is the one platform that is the platform of the single-player standalone video game. And 
It doesn't look like PlayStation is all that dedicated to that ideal anymore. Oh, I think they are. You do? I think I think this service thing is going to be parallel to that business. Well, I mean, the next Naughty Dog game is a live service game. Well, what is it that the that shooter the that shoot- they're making a competitive whatever yeah. it is? Wasn't that the multi the extracted multiplayer from Last of Us Two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that they're I mean, turning that's, into a full game. Yeah, sure, that's whatever. Like that doesn't. But mean that's not, Naughty Dog. Sure, but that doesn't mean they're not going to make. They also have made multiplayer modes before. Like it's yeah, you know, it doesn't mean they're not going to make Last of Us Three. Yeah, I, I'll believe they stop making the big boutique games when those boutique games stop selling twenty million copies. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to stop, but I think you're going to see the vast majority of their output beginning around 2024 is not going to be single player experiences. They're I mean, gonna but, be I mean, only because games. they're going to start having larger output. Gonna, you know, but all their, their but their larger output is all being dedicated to those types of games. They're not getting new yep. studios to build right, new single I, player games. What I'm saying is they're not going to be making less of those big boutique single player yeah. games. Yeah, you're still going to get a God of War every three or four years. You're still going to get a Naughty Dog game once Naughty every Dog eight games. years. You're still get a big <laughs> Insomniac Spider-Man game. You're still gonna, you know, yeah. they're, they're all going to be still doing those things. I mean, let's but, be honest. Naughty Dog takes like seven years to make yeah. a game anymore. Like, like the the output rate is not going to change of those things they're just going to put out more games and they're all going to be games you don't want to play <laughs> well, we'll see I, I actually don't mind service games but i, I mean if you make people... the game fun to play aside from the service like there's a big difference between destiny 2 and babylon's fall yeah. you know like i'm not worried you know if i can ignore the service part easily enough yeah. I'll play your game if it's fun. Which is what you and I generally end up doing. Largely, we yeah. Play through the, we play through the single-player content, and then we mess around with the service stuff, and then we never go back. Yeah. That's typically how we operate. And I, like I'm a betting lot a lot of, of you people do the same thing. a lot of people do. Yeah. You know, watching, like, my brother-in-law play stuff, like, what's that What's that square, squares kind of, you know what I'm talking about, like, over something. I don't know what you're talking about at all. It was on the Xbox. It was Game Pass game. It was like kind of Gears of War-y, but it was like a future-y. Oh, Outriders? Shoot. Outriders. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, my brother-in-law plays that, and like, they, yeah, you, you barely know it was a live service thing. Yeah. It's just him and his co-op players. Mm-hmm. You know, like, his that's, buddies. that's it. Yeah. Anyway, another crazy week in PlayStation land. It seems like every week, we're able to put together a topic that's just a roundup of what PlayStation did that week. It's just week after week. I mean, you can't say they're not staying relevant in the news. Sometimes yeah. it's not for the best reasons, but they're keeping themselves out there and in the lexicon, and there's some value to that. But generally, you want it to be based on good news and not bad news. So there you also, go. Also, I think everybody's waiting to, for Fortnite to falter. Yeah, and it just won't. They're waiting to... <laughs> well, wait, they want to be in position <laughs> yeah. in case that happens yeah you, know, you want to pick up all the people who fall off the you, table you want yeah. the apex predator to uh no offense to apex legends but you want an apex predator when it shows some weakness to be able to yeah. jump into that slot yeah so i think that's part of it too of course everybody wants to be because if look if you get one game that hits like Fortnite, yeah you're golden all yeah. you, you right now Fortnite is propping up epic games like you can't even comprehend all our old buddies we used to work with at G4. They're all living off Fortnite money. They're all yeah. living in Raleigh, working at Epic, bank making bank off of Fortnite. And there's a whole gigantic corporation there. Everybody there making all their pretty much all their money off Fortnite. So if you're PlayStation and you're like, man, if we can get one or two of those, holy crap, that's like game changer. And you're right. I think every company right now is trying to position mm-hmm. themselves in a place where finally when Epic and Fortnite falters and people finally start leaving that game, 
they want to catch that fall. Yeah. The so. pitfall, of course, is that the next big thing is always from the place you least expect. That's it to true. Be. Yeah. Fortnite. Like, who in the world? Well, no, think about what Fortnite was before yeah, it, was it was morphed. It was just a random little, like, we're going to put out a little PUBG ripoff free mode and see, like, whoops, we made yeah. the biggest thing of the decade. Yeah, because like, the bulk of Fortnite wasn't that. No. That's not it what was, it was. It was, it was a tower defense game. It was a tower defense game, yeah. Like a <laughs> campaign-based tower defense game. The game made was a tower defense game. So, you do right. Which never is know. still in there. It is. It's nobody, there. Nobody knows. But it's <laughs> nobody there. plays it, but it's there. And before they had Minecraft, who the hell thought that? You know, yeah. Show someone Minecraft and be like, you know, before all that and be like, really? Like, mm-hmm. and now, you know what? You know what I saw today? One of my friends, one of my friends from high school who I don't think I've ever seen her play a video game in my life. She mm-hmm. asked me a thing about Minecraft that this company, um, built a Minecraft server where they built a giant library and inside the library are all these books and articles and journals and all these things of like specifically stuff that's been censored in by various governments around the world so anyone from around the world can log on to Minecraft go to this server and read stuff that their government doesn't want them to read interesting how inter- how cool is that <laughs> that's crazy like that's that's amazing. then you know what they're trying to censor that's yeah. That's a great story. And they have a list of all the countries. Like, if you live in these countries, you can still get to Minecraft and still get to this thing, and they can't, they, they can't stop it. Huh. Unless cool. they ban Minecraft and nobody wants to do no, that. No, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> then you have a youth revolt. Yeah, now you have the parents mad at you, exactly. and that's, when you, that's how you lose power. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're gonna My talk- children want to be played with without screens, <laughs> and I don't have time for that shit. Uh, you may remember, and I hope you remember, because it was only six days ago, that we bumped out Game Face last week to an extra day, and we did it on Wednesday, to get all the information from Jeff Keighley's um, basically Gamescom pre-show, opening mm-hmm. night live, to get all that information into the show before it became old. Well... Um, we kind of wondered last week if that was going to be all of it. And I think I even said that that probably was going to be the bulk of it. And as it turns out, we were right. So we're, we are going to wrap up Gamescom. But before we do that, are you surprised that like there was so little like fruit on the tree after Keeley's show? It was two hours and there were like 50 games in it or whatever. No. But I thought there would be more. I didn't. Like Gamescom has never really been that you know world-shaking and... You know, Keeley is good at at loading his show up at mm-hmm. the at the beginning with everything worth looking at. Yeah. So, no, that doesn't surprise me at all. Really, I, mean, I, for, a, I forgot Gamescom was still going after he did his show because frankly. there was nothing, nothing happening. There was no big news no. breaking out of there. Like he had it all basically. Um, and like, not to go back to it, but like, you know, if you're IGN and you spend a ton of money to go over there, and then you get there and you realize that Keeley basically had the whole show in a 90 minute thing that he does, and then you have three days of live streaming that you need mm-hmm. to get through without being redundant and make it interesting and new stuff. It was had to have been you a little bit of a You can only do challenge. so many deep dives on the Pokemon car. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so anyway, we are going to wrap up Gamescom. There was like four or five things that ended up being announced and shown throughout the course of the week that we want to discuss. Last week, I think we talked about like 30 things from Keeley's show. But there is like a handful of things that we want to discuss. First up is Team Ninja's and I still don't understand, and they even explain this in a couple interviews why, but for whatever reason, Team Ninja has decided to replace its Souls-like Neo with another Souls-like called Woe Long. Mm-hmm. Neo is We've in... We've seen this one before, though, haven't we? Yeah, we got one trailer of it so far, but it was like it didn't really show anything. This is the first time that there's actual like gameplay, and it shows what the game actually plays like. Um, so... 
Neo is set in Japanese mythology. This is set in Chinese mythology. And for whatever reason, Team Ninja believes that that has allowed them to make bigger worlds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally, they said that because this game is set in China, now we can make bigger worlds for the game. I have no idea where the logic for that comes from, but that is direct I'm, from Team Ninja. I think they're kind of talking about how they're they're dealing with like the kind of the romance of the Three Kingdoms. Mm -hmm. stuff and like it's just it, those are just broad sweeping epics that let you kind of do big battlefields I mean, Neo didn't really do that mm -hmm. um, not that you know Japanese mythology doesn't have stuff like that but like, like Samurai Warriors is about kind of historical stuff you know exaggerated to ridiculous levels whereas you know, Romance of the Three Kingdoms stuff and kind of the, the Chinese mythology that's sort of woven through the historic, historic, the historical elements of that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that stuff happened 2,000 years ago. You can kind of do whatever you want there. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I'm sure there's an element to them of, like, um, you know, Chinese mythology is probably a little exotic, you know, yeah. to a Japanese audience because it's not what they know. You know, there, yeah. there's a, you know, obviously they share a lot of, a lot of stuff and, and, and some similarities in places, but I think like there's a you know, there's a reason Romance of the Three Kingdoms and all the Dynasty Warrior stuff is still popular there is because like there's people like those stories. <laughs> Delfino just wrote, "Well, China has a bigger landscape than Japan, Shane. I'll have you know." No, like, what does that mean? I mean, yeah, China's China a bigger country than Japan. That has nothing to do with putting levels in a video game. No, but like, I, th <laughs> I, I think they're talking about just sort of the scope. Of the battles, I mean, I don't know if they're talking about if they're talking about actual square footage. I feel like it doesn't long, matter as long as you're not replicating the you're country, building the whole one, country. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> but I think I think they're talking about scale and scope in terms of like you know the the battles and the cast of characters and you know no. kind of the the variety of creatures and monsters and weird shit. Well, we did get some details about the game from Team Ninja through various interviews and other previews that also, were I feel done. Like Neo had kind of done what it was going to do. I was not a fan of Neo. Were, I think Neo is the hardest Souls-like. I agree with I you. Think it's I way thought it was like impossible. <laughs> I don't... <sighs> it expects a level of, of familiarity and mastery of the gameplay systems that I just simply was not willing to put in yeah. the time for. I mean, you're right, though. This is kind of like is very team Dark Souls cross with Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And I just keep wondering, why won't we just get a new Ninja Gaiden game? I d why are you making Wo Long instead of Ninja Gaiden? I don't understand I think it. because only people our age care about Ninja Gaiden anymore. But nobody cares about Wo Long. They've never but heard they, of it. But they might. But you know what doesn't exist? Wo Long 3 Razor's Edge. <laughs> That's funny. Like, a lot of goodwill was blown by Ninja Gaiden 3. Yeah. Not that much, though. <laughs> I think a pretty good amount. I, 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 I mean, honestly, Neo restored I am definitely faith. going to look sideways at a Ninja Gaiden 4 in a way that I do not at this game. I wouldn't, though. Not after playing Neo and after seeing the stuff that Team Ninja's been doing. I think it's ca it's totally capable yeah. of making a great also, Ninja Gaiden Also, I don't think... In, I don't really want a Souls-like Ninja Gaiden. I would want a normal Ninja Gaiden. Wasn't Ninja Gaiden the, kind of the first Souls-like? Not remotely. Not at all. I mean, it was, it was a, hard as nails. It was hard, but that's not what, what makes... You had to repeat that's not what makes, sections of the game over and over again. Only if you suck. Um, and you didn't get any better. That was yeah. the thing. Is, is Dark well, Souls... Well, you got more attacks over time, but... But you didn't get any better. Like, yeah. You, you couldn't upgrade... There was no RPG elements. Couldn't up, yeah, that's the whole thing. And uh, so, I, yeah, I would... I This looks interesting to me. I would definitely... Yeah, I'm, I'm also interested in uh, what Where Winds Meet, which is a similar yeah. kind of thing. Um, I bet that's got Souls elements to it, too. Um, I would, you know, Ninja Gaiden would be like a straight action game, and that is just not what the trend is right now. No. You know, I would love to sense. see one, because I miss that franchise. Well, it would, you would be seeing the last of it forever then, probably. Yeah. Because it would, it would bomb. 
So we got some information about it. I don't think it would bomb. I, I, think, I, think, I think it, it would. would do better than Wo Long. I don't think it. I don't necessarily think that's true. I do. We'll see. Like also, like we'll see what their expectations are for Wo Long. But Wo Long is going to appeal to that audience in a way that Ninja Gaiden wouldn't. And I'll tell you this much: the the audience for a Souls that looks like Ninja Gaiden right there. That's oh what yeah, you, I mean they, their I house mean, styles evident, but it's a Souls it's like, game. It might as well be freaking Ninja Gaiden. That boss right that is straight out of Ninja Gaiden. Like it's also straight out of uh, Chinese mythology. It is, but like that's what Ninja Gaiden looks like right there. Like anyway, well, yeah, but team it's what Team Ninja. I don't looks want to like. obsess over it. It's but, what Team Ninja looks like. Devil's Third had some of that too. You know, like. <laughs> I know that wasn't Team Ninja, but it was still yeah. in Agaki. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's a pedigree. The remnants of Team Ninja. Yeah. Uh, but, so anyway, we do have some details on this. Uh, the first thing you probably noticed already is there's a jump button in the game. And that obviously changes a lot about these types of games, whether they have jump or they don't. Um, and they said because of that, that the levels in the game have a lot more verticality, that you end up doing a lot of climbing and going up high. Well, Team Ninja's been paying attention. They know that when, you know, As soon as you saw that first Elden Ring trailer, you're like, okay, we're going to be jumping from now on. Yeah. You know, Dark Souls doesn't really have that, but... Um, Certainly Sekiro did, yeah, and uh, Elden Ring did. So, like, the verticality is, is I think, here to stay. I, I like that. Um, there's no stamina gauge. Mm. No stamina gauge in this game at all. Interesting. They want it to be more action-focused and more Twitch-based mm. um, than Neo was. And so there's no stamina gauge in it at all. I mean, that's, a, that's good news. I, I feel like the stamina gauge kind of held Neo back in terms of... It always felt like Neo wanted to cut loose more than you could. Yeah, I wanted to cut um, loose more than I could. That's and eventually you sure. could because you'd upgrade enough. But God, those yeah. early the early hours were real it was grindy, tough. man. I just couldn't get over them. And you expect that with one of those games to some degree, but like, I don't know if any I don't know if any other Souls like feels as teasy as Neo does, where you're like, oh, I bet I could do that. No, I can't because I run out of stamina before I can finish the combo. Yeah, like, and then like then you get hammered. It's just like. I didn't. I did not enjoy playing Neo for the most either. part. You don't have to ask me that. Like I am impressed by people who can play that game well, but I did not have the the patience or time to put the mastery into it. And it's there. You know, I know it's there. It's yeah. just like any Team Ninja game. Yeah, you got to dedicate yourself to it, and you'll get there. But, but I did. Either not. you want to do it or you don't. No. Um, there will be ten weapon types in the final game. Uh, what was shown in the trailer was a spear, the long sword, and dual swords. But again, there'll be ten. There is a unique mechanic in the game called the morale ranking system where both the player and enemies um, have a morale rank. And if you fight an enemy that has a higher morale rank than you, the enemy is much more difficult to defeat and vice versa. Mm. They didn't go into a lot of detail about that I bet that's that not works. going to be communicated very well. Probably not. That's a Team Ninja staple, too. They honestly didn't communicate it very well in the previews at Gamescom. No. Like well, there's always at least confusing. one or two things in, in, in Team Ninja games that are like, Wait, what are you? Mm -hmm. What? How's that work? Yeah. And it's just like, okay, like sure. Yep. Sort of. It reminds me of the um, the tendency system in Demon Souls, where it yeah. took people forever to figure out what the hell that was. Yeah. Well, as you, as you kill enemies, your morale goes up. It, mm -hmm. If you die, it flatlines. So it's all dependent on how you actually play. Um, and then eventually, as you get to the higher ranks of the morale ranks, you eventually unlock magic spells and summons. Um, and all the summons mm -hmm. in the game are based on China's legendary beasts. Um, and that's it. That's all the information Team Ninja has given us about Wo Long so far. Um, are you interested? Yeah. I kind of am. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a go and uh, check it out. Uh, because it is fast-paced, there's no stamina meter, I still think it's going to be really hard, though. That'd be mm -hmm. my guess. I mean, it, it seems to lean a little more Sekiro than Souls. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that, especially since Sekiro clearly took a lot from... Uh, what Team Ninja had done in the yeah. past. So, yep. 
makes sense. Uh, next keep, up, keep trading those ideas back and forth, and you'll probably end up with something pretty great. Yeah, uh, every time, really. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, a Plague Tale Requiem. A lot of you guys may have like totally blown this game off. I kind of expected to be out by now, but I guess we're well. We're it is it's coming out on October eighteenth. October, yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah. it's um, this is next gen only, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X, PC, and Switch. Somehow, must be a cloud thing. I they did not say cloud. I kept waiting for them to say and in the cloud on Switch. It just said for Switch, which I'm like, okay, all right. But this game looks awesome. Everybody, everybody gonna be made out of three polygons each or something. I yeah, I think I, you you guys might want to recalibrate the rest of your year at this point because a lot of the big games are not coming out, and you need to start looking at games like a Plague Tale Requiem. Well, also the first one was great. It was great. One of the more underrated games like, from that generation. Like even I if the the fall was crowded with great stuff you should still be looking at this because the first one was very very good. I would recommend big surprise on sifted.net to follow this game. Um, go to its game page and yeah. just click the little gear next I would to its title. Going, I think it's I think Plague Tales on sale or something right now. I think the original. Yeah, like I think Innocence. I, I would definitely play the first one in preparation for this. Yeah, I'm planning to replay it because I never finished it. And we got a lot of information about this finally. I mean, the game is coming out now in like two months, so it's good to get some information. Or like a month. Well, October 18th. Month and a half. Yeah, um, it's set a few months after the end of the last game. And the last game took place in the 14th century, if you don't remember. Uh, basically, the a brother and sister team, Amesia and Hugo, they head south to try to get away from the plague and the rats. Um, the, the, the brother, Hugo, claims that he can see this mysterious island, and then the plague awakens in him, and the whole thing starts all over again. They had gotten away from the plague in this new kind of hamlet. He has this dream of this island. He wakes up and the plague ignites inside him and suddenly it's spreading all over their area that they had kind of found this safe haven. So they continue venturing south to try to find this mysterious island because they think it's going to be the place where they find the cure to this horrible plague that Hugo has. So it's kind of like a buddy cop story with the sister and the little brother. There's a lot of co-op stuff going on between the two of them. As you can see here, they do find allies that help them, but it is going to be a little bit of like a escort mission, the game type thing, where you're kind of taking care of your little brother the whole way through. Um, well, there was some of that in the first one, and, and the, the brother was pretty, uh, pr- pretty uh, self-sufficient. self-sufficient. That's good. Um, there's a crossbow that you can use to remove armor from enemies. There's stealth kills. There's flashbangs. There's whips. There's crafting. Hugo, the boy, eventually gets rat abilities. He can see through walls. He can control the rat swarm. Nice. F- fam- famous rat ability, seeing <laughs> through walls. <laughs> he can see through walls. Exactly. He can see through the walls. He can control the swarm and sick it on enemies, which is pretty awesome. But what I gather from this trailer is it seems like those moments are like cinematic where they're just mm-hmm. like these preordained times. Because after it happens, he's like debilitated and weak. So it's not like something where you keep using it over and over and you can keep spanning like the rat swarm, which would be awesome. Hopefully mm-hmm. in the third game we get something like that. The faces are very impressive. Yeah. The game in general looks great for what is really an indie game. They've done a really good job on it. I think it looks amazing. And this is the controlling the rat swarm, which I was just talking about. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for this game, Matt. And part of it might be that, you know, lowered expectations because so many other games have been delayed. But I think this game is looking hot. Like, 
it's one of, I think, the most anticipated games remaining in 2022. Yeah. It's, I hate to tell you this, but you might, you should start keeping an eye on this game. If you're interested in playing games throughout the end of the year, this is probably going to be one of those I mean, games that's going to fill a gap for you. I would be telling you that even if Zelda was coming out. Yeah. Like this is, the first one was really good. Yeah, we're big fans of the first one as well. Uh, if you go back and watch Game Face when that came out, we were both all over that game and pleasantly surprised by it probably mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. Um, but yeah, they pretty much laid the game bare here with this trailer. It's a nice five minute uh, gameplay focused trailer and there's a lot you can't hear it but there's narration underneath it explains almost everything so i'm pretty excited for this game matt i think it's looking pretty hot and uh again with the lowered expectations for the fourth quarter of 2022 it's looking really awesome uh but there you go that is um coming to as i said next gen only so it's pc ps5 xbox series x and somehow nintendo switch i am still not 100 percent sure how that's gonna happen but and I, I agree with you. I think it probably is going to be a cloud game. But you think they would actually share that mm-hmm. for its big coming out party at Gamescom, and they did not. So who knows? I think maybe they just figured you'd, you'd know. <laughs> it's like anybody should figure that out. It's possible. Uh, next up, the Dark Pictures, The Devil in Me. This is the next entry in this anthology horror series. It is actually the fourth game in the mm-hmm. anthology series and the season one finale. So there's, it appears there's going to be four games per season. This is the last game for season one. I would argue that this is the most conventional of all four of the games so far. It is basically hostile. It's, yeah. You're basically, you go to a, a, basically a group of documentary filmmakers, get a mysterious call inviting them to a modern-day replica of H.H. Holmes' murder hotel. And they get there, and they discover that they're being watched, and they're being manipulated, and then suddenly they're trapped, and there's much more at stake than their TV ratings. Oh, horror, you're so original. Yep. Um, You explore every nook of the World's Fair Hotel using all new features. And so here, finally, the franchise is expanding out to be a little more interactive, and I think that's a good thing. You'll be able to run, jump, and climb. Um, and in most of these games, it's really just making decisions, and like that's pretty much it. So they're adding at least a little bit more action and choice into the franchise for the fourth entry, which I think generally is a good thing. Um, yeah. It's no quarry. But eventually you end up getting trapped in killing rooms where your own death is by the killer's design. So basically they're like escape rooms, part of the game, where if you don't escape, you die. AKA Hostel. If you haven't seen the Hostel movie franchise, that's basically what it's all about. It will have a five player pass the gamepad mode. I am wondering though, will there be a season two? Do you think so? I mean, these seem to have done okay. I, I, they're it's hard good. to get a read on whether these games are actually selling or not. I mean, they wouldn't have made four of them if they weren't doing something. Unless they had just signed the contracts, because these also come out very frequently. There's, n- I don't think that's a contract that would hold if you were losing money every time. Yeah. Um,. And this, the collection is still full price. Like, they're they're fine, I think. Oh, there's also character inventory, by the way, which also these games never have. So yeah. they are inching, and there's puzzles, like Resident Evil-style puzzles. It They are it's inching a, it towards... Yeah, well, some of this seems to be like they've used some of these as, like, test beds for the ideas they have in their bigger games, like the Quarry. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I haven't actually played any of these, but I've thought I played about it. I thought about it because like, you can get the first two for, like, three bucks each or something. Yeah, yeah. Now. After playing the quarry, I'm more interested in games like this now. Mm. Um, and so I'm a little more interested in this than normal, but it, the story is very rote. 
Um, that doesn't mean it won't be scary and it won't be good, but it is not original. That is one thing you can definitely guarantee at this point. I mean, who's who's playing horror games for originality? Like, horror doesn't do originality. It's tough. Often. It's hard to do it anymore. Like, unless you're, unless I can, you're, I unless remember, you're Jordan Peele, you're not really looking for that. I remember like every horror movie that it actually breaks molds, like yeah. Cabin in the Woods. Like, they're yeah, that's you kind can, of the last because you one. can count them on both <laughs> exactly. hands. Exactly. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods, one of them, though. That, I love that movie. I'm surprised they haven't made a second one. Well, nobody wants to work with Joss Whedon anymore. Yeah, that could be. Um, I, think, I think Jordan Peele breaks them old. He does. Here and there. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen Nope. Is that a horror movie, even? Uh, yeah. It's more of a thriller. Kind of like Get Out, movie. then. Yeah. Um, Where it's not straight up horror, but it has an Yeah, element. it's not. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Is it good? I liked it a lot. Yeah. I I think Get Out is still his best, but I I did like him very much. I mean, he's that that man is on track to be one of the best horror directors of all time. Who would have ever guessed? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like if you watch them like on, on him on all the shows he's been on, I never would have guessed he'd become a great horror director. Yeah, I just hope, so, one, I hope one day he gets to direct Liam Neeson's and something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Ayudin Chronicle Hundred Heroes. I loved his story about why he did not he quit acting. Did you see that? No, huh. He, I guess he was up for, uh, he was auditioning for, for stuff, and he was up for the poop emoji in the emoji movie. And he's like, he said, to, told, his, told his agent that he, that he had to think about it overnight if he wanted to do that. And the next morning, he called his agent, and the agent's like, yeah, they already gave it to Patrick Stewart. And he's like, fuck this. And just decided to direct and write and direct. That's I was like, story. that is an a fantastic, like, That's that is a fantastic, like, super villain origin the story. I mean, look, it, there's and no better we, And then we, we're getting amazing movies because. <laughs> Of it so that's great <laughs> it all worked out uh next up iudin chronicle 100 heroes you may remember matt and i talked about an iudin chronicles game not that long ago on game yeah. face because it was this weird thing where they got a metric ton of kickstarter money for this 4.6 million usd when they were only asking for five hundred thousand dollars and instead of putting this game out first they did like a spin-off like 2d yeah, like yeah. a prequel spinoff that's different than I liked. The, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I but even when we we're talking about, it, I'm like, why wouldn't they just finish the Ayudin Chronicle game that everybody paid them for before releasing the spinoff? It was very weird. It almost felt like they knew this wasn't going to be done for years. Yeah, and the other could be done real quick. Well, now we know this is coming out in 2023. Mm-hmm. It is built by an all-star team of developers. Maybe they'll get purchased by Sony. Who used to work on the Suikoden franchise, a legendary RPG franchise. A lot of people have been begging to come back, and it just won't. Mm-hmm. Because uh, so Konami. This is about as close as it's going to get. I mean, Konami owns it, so yeah, you're never going to see that shit again. You don't think, think we'll never see it? Suikoden? Yeah. Not even like a mobile, crappy knockoff? No. No? That's Not a shame. From, uh, Konami? Are you kidding? Yep. I mean, I I would love to see a Suikoden like collection like on the level of what the Ninja Turtles thing that just came out mm-hmm. from Konami, but like I don't see that happening. I mean, I, I would still rank Suikoden too as one of the greatest RPGs of all time. Yeah. Yep. I played it a few years ago. It holds up. Yeah. But it's still good. Well, and this I, is great. I mean, the fa- I, I I back this. I back this you? at almost the maximum. Like no, not not like the thing where you pay seven hundred dollars to be a character in it or whatever. But right. I got like the big deluxe thing because I'm like Suikoden. Yeah. Like this is one of my favorite series of all chance. time. And the, the thing is, this game looks like Suikoden. Oh, yeah. Like, the, right down uh, to the hybrid animal anthropomorphic things. The, and the art the, style, the way the style, camera is working. Yeah, the angle of things. Now, that only there. used to work in, in the OG Suikoden games. That was only in the combat, right? 
Um, it did, it did a little bit of the overworld, but not too many. Usually the overworld was, was pre-rendered 2D graphics and you move the sprites around on it. Yeah. yeah. Some, for the big stuff, they do stuff like that bridge shot. Yeah. Like they would do some stuff like that. So it could into as a couple of those. Like, But usually it was like when the big characters faced off against you. Know, it wasn't yeah. common. The whole game is like this, though, now. Yeah. So this is more because you can do that now. Yeah. There's a lot um, more. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a companion piece to, I'd say, the, the art style of... Um, what is that? HD two D the thing that like the Octopath Traveler team two point five D or whatever. No, they call it like HD two D or something. Oh yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, the Octopath Traveler yeah. um, um, Triangle Strategy. Yeah, uh, all of that uh, whole all the, yeah it's stuff. Whatever you want to call it, it's not. A, they're like two yeah, separate that, franchises that look the same. Yeah, but it's the same team. Mm-hmm. And like I think Square Square Enix calls it I think HD two D or 2D yeah they have HD a name for something it like that. Yeah, it's that sort of look like, and I like that look. I'm, for the most part, I like that look. Pioneered actually, I think by Xenogears. On the PS1, which had 3D environments and the 2D characters, and looked awful, <laughs> but like, you know, you're not dealing with the PS1 hardware anymore, so yeah. you, you got it. You got something that looks pretty cool, I think. Yep, as you saw in the trailer, there's over a hundred playable characters. That's another gotta be big element Sweak from it Sweak It In. Um, gotta have 108 stars of destiny or whatever. I don't know, nebulas of fate. Like, yeah. I'm sure they'll call you know, yeah. I expect this to be almost a one-to-one with the names changed to kind of yeah. circuit in formula, which, is which what I'm absolutely want. fine That's what with. people yeah. pay for. That's why they got $4.5 million to make the game. Yeah, it's like, and isn't that so weird? It's like, clearly there's a there's a demand there, and Konami just will not fill. Same thing with the Bloodstained thing. Let's be honest, though. If Konami funded development of this, it would cost way more than $4.6 million. Maybe. I mean, it I'm is sure, a little interesting how... I mean, I'm sure this costs more, too, but they had investors that it, were they were contingent on getting the Kickstarter right. money. It is interesting, works. though, how when the chips are down, somehow developers find a way to make games a lot more cheaply than they would if they were working mm-hmm. for a publisher. But Well, part of that is because if you're working in a, in a company that's just made of the, de- of the developers and maybe a couple people running the head, like... Like, that's a much leaner and meaner organization. You know, you yeah. don't have to have all the overhead that a big company would have. And, you know, there's no efficiency there. With you know, And with Konami, you'd be dealing with a company that doesn't even want to make the game in the first place. So of course, yeah. you have a problem, you know? Yep. It's just, it's silly. You know, and I'm sure when you're looking at that amount of money, even if you're looking at that amount of money as revenue alone... I'm sure they're making more than that in six months on their, you know, their, if they made like a Suikin and Pichinko machine. So what do they care? Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. It's just, you know, let, you know, there's kind of a let my people go element to that where it's just like, I just let so give Suikin into somebody. I mean, you don't even really own it. It's a, it's a legend. It's a Chinese legend. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you just, just let them make the game. Like you don't, yeah. what are you going to do with a Suikin in license? Come on. It's a good Guys. question. Yep. Um, Although to be fair, the the last few were so uneven that I could see them wanting to make a clean break. So yeah, and this way the the you know the the people making it own it. Yeah. So yep, it's true. Um, and then the last game, and this is just me being selfish, that we're going to talk about here from Gamescom is NHL 23. It's coming out October 14th, so not long to wait. And yes, Vincent, I did see and backed the Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts successors on Kickstarter. Okay, love Shadow Hearts. Um, like Wild Arms. NHL 23 is coming again coming out october 14th it is having a much bigger focus on women's hockey it's actually going to have a mix women's and men's teams in ultimate team uh, also is going to include cross-platform matchmaking for the first time uh, at least for players from the same generation and that is in hopes that there will be a bigger pool of players 
to play ultimate team with because mm-hmm. that's their money maker. And right now, not enough people buy NHL each year for there to be enough people who stick around playing ultimate team for the long haul. So they've mm-hmm. struggled having enough people to really make ultimate team what it should be and therefore generate as much money as they can from the game. Uh, so they're fixing that with the new matchmaking. Uh, they've also added some stuff to the gameplay. They've added like 500 new last chance puck movement gameplay animations. Basically, after you've been checked, it used to be in the past in this franchise, once you were checked, you were just done. Like you couldn't continue controlling your character. Like you went through a canned animation. Now, after you get checked, you can actually still maintain control of the puck and actually make a move afterwards, which is a big deal for people who have been playing this franchise for a long time. Um, Holy puck. Yeah. They've also overhauled the, the strategy system, which allows you to easily game, game plan and fine-tune your playmaking skills. So not a lot of huge changes coming for NHL 23. Also, this trailer is terrible. It is like the most gratuitously... This is a trailer? Yes. That's I, I know tell. that girl right there, by the way. That's Marissa. She used to work oh, yeah. with... Yeah, was she on the Electric Playground? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I'll say this, too. She knows hockey. Like, yes. When we would go yes, on trips does. to get... She's from Canada. We'd go on trips together. Like, we would always end up covering hockey stuff because we both loved hockey. And we'd end up talking about hockey for, like, two hours at dinner, like, whenever we would go to events together. So they got the right person working on the franchise. But I just think this trailer is just awful and trash. But I think they're just trying to spark some kind of excitement in the NHL franchise because it really has just kind of just lagged behind EA's other sports games for quite a while now. So, mm-hmm. um, And, again, that's me being selfish. I realize most of you guys do not give a crap about NHL or NHL 23. But I gave it two minutes, and I, I'm going to just, you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and that's Gamescom 2022. So we talked about all the stuff, and we talked about Gamescom last week for like an hour and a half. Like when I got home and started looking, I was like, damn, t- yeah. I didn't realize that topic had gone so long. Because they put all the stuff in it. Because it was all in Keeley Show, and what we just talked about was all that was left over for the entire rest of the week. Now, there was other indie stuff, obviously. Um, but as far as like big stuff that we would talk about on Game Face, that's pretty much the bulk of it. And my big takeaway from all of this is that A Plague Tale is a game that I think people are going to end up discovering this year. Even yeah. though they may have slept on the first game, I think people are going to discover it this yeah, time. It very, very well could get them acquired by yep. somebody. It's possible. Absolutely. But anyway, that's it. That's us putting the cap on Gamescom 2022. I'm just glad that it happened. And again, I hope that a lot of people came home and nobody gets sick and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was good to see a convention. Like, seeing that, I was like, E3 is going to happen next year. 100%. Mm-hmm. Unless. <laughs> I really think. Let's go 98. 98%. It was very comforting to me that a lot of the big tentpole events that buoy the video game industry are actually going to return in 2023. And I think even PAX is like about to happen here soon as well. Yeah, so PAX is supposed to be good. Tokyo Game Show is about to happen soon. Mm-hmm. So it feels good to see the industry, at least this part of it, start getting back into the cadence that we've all known and I've known for the last 20 some years of my career. So it's good to see everything getting back to normal. And again, I hope everybody who went to Gamescom is healthy and happy that they went and they had a good time. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that Matt has been playing this week, and I have not been playing. Because um, you're not in the beta. I'm not in the beta. For the single-player action RPG. Yeah, which is very weird. That like hardly ever happens. Um, but it is Steel Rising, mm. and a lot of people have compared this game to Bloodborne. Matt, mm. would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah? Um, unfortunately, yes. 
Unfortunately, yes. Um, yes. Um, I mean, we knew from like just the preview stuff that there was clearly Dark Souls Bloodborne influence here, but I was hoping they were going to be incorporating kind of the the Bloodborne influence into um, you know into the uh, the the um, Bioware RPG sort of style they've done for years, um, and they did not. This is a straight up Souls game. This is a Souls alike by spiders. Spiders, um, our buddy spiders. Our buddy spiders who made, who made Greedfall <laughs> and uh, the Technomancer. Um, and what I, I finished the beta, and what I can say is, it is extremely unfortunate that someone at Spiders said, "Hey, for our next project, why don't we do something that focuses entirely on combat?" Our absolute weakest element of game design. <laughs> Because, uh. wow, um, you know I am no stranger to to Souls games. Mm-hmm. This is a an aggressively mediocre Souls clone. Um, there is a lot of Bloodborne in it, like the the the, the art direction, like with the the way they present it. Uh, most of the NPCs you talk to during the levels are. Um, uh, hiding behind doors with lights on them and kind of doing the same Bloodborne thing where you just talk to people and give them things and they give you things back. Um, and you're going through like abandoned streets in a ruined city that is supposed to be Paris most of the time. Um, but there is no real, like, there's no, like, story to it. I mean, there's a story, but it's like between levels you have a little conversation with someone and sometimes you get to pick dialogue options, but you, you're not picking dialogue options to decide how your character behaves. You're literally just go through each one and once you've done all the dialogue options about different subjects, you know, the, the game continues. Um, and it's just... Ugh, like the combat, it's, like it's functional, but like... <sighs> It's just, it's got that same kind of mushy here and too stiff here feeling that there's Spider's Others, Spider's Other um, games have had in the combat. And other you know, like, like the combat in Greedfall is not amazing, but I'm willing to put up with it and get through it to sort of see the story unfold and the character stuff unfold. You know, that's not here. It's, it's a Souls game. The combat, the action is its own reward. And I don't find the action in this game particularly rewarding. Um, and you know, by the time I got to the the end of the beta, I was pretty proficient in dodging around things, killing you know, you know the souls. I'm using my souls thing. It's it's fine. But my problem with it is like, why would I play this half baked bullshit when I could just play Elden Ring, which also came out this year? Like I have the best of the best of this subgenre available to me at all times. Why do I want to play this? Why wouldn't I want to play? what Spiders does best, which is that old-school Bioware RPG that they've slowly been honing better and better over time, and instead they took a pit... I'm sure Greedfall 2 will be that, mm-hmm. but they just took a pit stop to do a Souls clone, and I'm going to have a very hard time recommending this to both people who love Souls games and people who loved Greedfall. And Why doesn't Spiders... It's been blatantly obvious for years that they just need to hire a combat guy. I don't know. I mean, it has been a common criticism of Spider's games since we launched Sifted. Maybe they did, 
but it, like they hired the wrong guy. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, I mean, the combat in this is, is probably the best they've ever done. But it's still not up to the level you need to be at to support a Souls game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah, it has to be exact. Consistency is key in these games, and I don't know what the hell is going to happen every even when I face off against the smallest of these guys. By the way, there's like five enemy types in the in the beta. It's it's the first two chapters of the game. Which are not designated as chapters, but they seem there's no real open world to this. It's not like Dark Souls where the whole world is interconnected and everything. Mm -hmm. You complete a section and then you travel to another place. And then those places you you are going through sort of a little maze and unlocking shortcuts back to like the the um the the bonfire equivalents. Yeah. You know? I mean it's the exact same thing as it's literally Dark Souls. It's just you know, run around, you unlock these chambers that like you can be repaired in and you re restores your oil which is your health you know the, and and there's consumables but there's also renewables and you, while you're there you get souls and you can spend the souls to upgrade the character um the four classes you pick from the beginning do not matter just like dark souls is literally just what what weapon do you want to start with and what stat boost do you want to start with otherwise as you upgrade you can get all those weapons later and you can switch and upgrade different stats however you want um the one thing I will say that's different that I appreciated is that you are not trapped in boss rooms. Uh, when If you die in a boss room, you just go and grab your stuff and, and leave and continue to grind if you need to, uh, as opposed to like Dark Souls where you usually have to go through the boss door and you're trapped in there unless you pick up your souls and do a homeborn bone to get out. Um, so I appreciate that that's a little easier in that regard, but it's harder in the sense that the, the combat is just mushy and weird most of the time and i you know there's things where like the bosses tend to be covered in like weird electrical things and a lot of times you can't see what their animations are doing and so like that's kind of a problem in a souls game mm -hmm. so because you know you do have the same you have blocking if you have the right weapons but that takes a lot of stamina and you want to usually do dodge move it moves like the first boss like all you need to do is dodge behind them and you're gonna win but that at that point you're not doing a whole lot of damage unless you pick the damage class so you're gonna take it's gonna take forever it took me almost 10 minutes to kill him wow um and it's just and it wasn't hard but if it's largely wasn't hard for me because i've played so many of these games if, if i was someone who liked greedfall or the technomancer and was like oh they're making a new game and this setting looks really cool i'm gonna play it because i like their stuff i would be bewildered by what I started to play at that wow. Because it's just Souls. It's just, yeah. if you don't know what a Souls game is, you're not going to know what the hell you're doing or what why they're doing what they're doing to you. And if you do know Souls, you're just going to be like, this is not very good. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... it's. Do you not think that people are ready for something post Elden Ring? Do you not think people are ready to move on, or do you think it's I think people, got people are like I'd rather just this. play it a fourth time instead of playing I got, this? I think first off, the streaming community just wants to play Elden Ring a fiftieth time. Uh -huh. Second, people got higher standards than this. I think if you love Souls games, like this is not very good. You've played te you played Technomancer. Yeah, you know what I'm I did. About. I played it the whole way through. It's not that far off. I still don't know why I played it the whole way through, <laughs> but I did. It was like fifty some hours that I spent on that game. Technomancer is a pretty compelling sort of world and story, and this is an interesting world. But I don't care because it's all com. It's just that it's, you're just fighting the same like automatons over and over. Aren't and they? Over they again. almost look like they're like marionettes or something. No, they're, like they're that. Like, what are they? They're wind ups basically. They're, they're, this is clock punk basically. Um, I will say this, um, this is, you're going to hate this game. You are going to physically hate, this is the least forgiving stamina bar I have ever seen in a Souls game. Oh, forget it. Forget it is, it. even from, even I had to adjust my combat style, and I started with a character that started with bonus 
vigor, which uh-huh. is what gives you the stamina. I, I had to upgrade that a couple times to get enough stamina to really work with it. And in, then, in a little demo. Yeah. Well, it's not a little. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a decent length. How it's long like, was was the? It took me like two hours. Oh, okay. It's the, for, uh, the, and the, my biggest problem with it is you can't import the save. Uh, so I got to start over. So wait, does the beta start at the beginning of the game? Yeah, as far as I can uh, tell. Yeah. Okay. So it's just the first two chapters. Yeah. So you escape from like the little chateau place that Marie Antoinette is being held more or less captive in because the king has has sent these like, you know, marionette sold. I mean, they do look at marionette, but they're, they're clock. They're like... They're powered by some kind of like magical energy that winds itself winds it's them. It's creepy. The stamina bar, in fact, is is literally representing the overheating. The wind of up your, of the clock. No, no, the overheating of your little like clockwork engine. Oh, uh, okay. And so here's the the saving grace of the stamina bar. Maybe you'll like this. I don't know, but I think mostly it would annoy you. Um, if you run out of stamina, then you get kind of a ghost stamina bar that starts to like drain. And if you hit the Y button on Xbox, anyway, you hit the Y button. Uh, you get that much stamina back, however full the bar is. You just get uh, a little meter frost meter fills up, and if and and if the, you do that too many times, you fill the frost meter up, you get frost damage because it's because you're, you're super cooling your your motor basically. Mm-hmm. And if you freeze yourself, you're frozen in place. You take a little damage, and then of course, if you're frozen in place, the enemies are going to be, be hammering on you. No, 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 um, I do not like that, Matt, at all. I think that's horrible. <laughs> and um, running so, out of stamina is bad enough in these games, so let alone can, freezing in place. But you can get like probably two fast recharges at it before you freeze in place okay so it's basically you can't overuse it gotcha um so you're keeping an eye on that stamina bar real tough yeah and you're gonna get there's not a lot of feedback when you get hit sometimes especially if you're in mid combo there's a whole weird thing where like to block if you have, you have a certain weapon that has a block feature they don't all because two of the two of the classes you start from have blocking weapons and two have i think ranged weapons mm-hmm. and i haven't really messed with the range stuff so far because it uses ammo and I don't like using weapons that use ammo in these games because I like to, you know, I use them for like sniping guys out of trees. Right, right. I don't use them for like regular weaponry. Um, and you have, a, just like Dark Souls, you have a light and a heavy. However, the heavy attack is always a charge attack. So you you can hold it, you can hit it and just do the thing. But what you really want to do is charge it up and hit them, you know, hit them with the charge to knock them down and you get a little bonus damage when you knock them down. They also have a, a, st- a stagger meter where if you hit them enough, you fill up this little diamond on them when you're locked on, and if they, they, they get staggered and you get to do a critical hit. You can also sneak up on them if you're locked on and they don't see you. You can sneak up on them, and a diamond, like, kind of mark target marker will turn red. If you hit that, you do, like, a special move that will usually one-shot them or at least get them knocked over and real take a lot of life away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even do—I did that on a boss once, and it did take a pretty good chunk off him. Because it was not—it was not a boss. Because the bosses show up in big cutscenes, just like every. But if you die and come back, they're usually wandering around their area, and you, no. sometimes you can sneak up on them. But their health is all refilled again. Oh yeah, yeah. it's all back to them. It's just like Dark Souls. As soon as you rest, it all comes back. Um, so there's stuff like that, and you have to upgrade. You know, use the souls. I'm surprised you don't like it at all because it's not—it's not good. Yeah. But you're right. It does all come down. The combat sucks. Yeah. Like, Without I don't that, like it. everything else doesn't matter. We've already matter. played the best Souls game this year, yeah. probably. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's Elden Ring, I would think, for most people. Yeah. And even if you don't, most people are going to say Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. And this is not on Bloodborne's level. I mean, it is taking a lot from Bloodborne, but it is not on Bloodborne's level. Um, and it just feels like a waste, a waste of time to me. Like, I mean, visually, it's it's cool. Um, 
you know, like the design is cool. Uh, it, I mean, it does look a lot like Life of P now. Uh, I will say, <laughs> I will say that the gameplay footage of Life of P looks like a much more solid combat system than what this thing is doing. It does, yeah. Um, I just don't understand who it's for. Like yeah. Souls, Souls fans are going to have a higher standard than what this game is me- meeting in terms of the combat design, and fans of like the Bioware RPG stuff that Spiders has done in the past are going to be completely alienated by this. Yeah. So I don't know who this is for. Hmm. Um, so I can't. I know away, it's not for me. I can't I can tell this, you that much. <laughs> I came away from this very disappointed. Um, That's a shame. Also, there's like weird presentational things. Like everybody speaks with a British accent. But it's France. So every once in a while, they just throw in French words. What? And it, they all sound like Gambit. Oh, like doing like throwing in like <laughs> random French words into like English style. It's like either have them speak French and subtitle it, or have them speak English, right? With like a English, you know, they're doing like a British stage accent. But every once in a while, they just throw in mushia, and I'm just like, so what weird. are you doing? Like, Why? What, it's such a weird choice. <laughs> it's spiders, dude. Um, yeah, I that's know. spiders. That is what spiders does. Yeah. <laughs> True, and it's just we the, root for this little studio. We've been rooting for them for forever, and they just can never get over the hump. Yeah, I just I do not. Mm-mm. Yeah, like it's not at all what I wanted from them. It is not at all what I want from a Souls alike. When does it come out? The final eighth, the eighth of September. Yeah, I still don't understand why there's a beta. I don't, so I don't know because there's no online just component as far as I can whatever. tell. Like there's no invasions that I mean. Yeah. If there are in the game, you don't get to them in the beta. So what's the beta for? Right. If that's what you're testing, <laughs> no like sense. I don't know what. I mean, maybe weird. just because Spiders games are so buggy, they want to see if like a million people play it. Because you get in the beta if you pre-ordered. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess maybe you just want to make sure you know have early contact with the enemy to see if there's something you need to patch for day one. I don't yeah. know. I mean, if that's it, you know, bravo, like cool, like. But like, I I'm just not. I mean, I'm probably I will play it when it comes out. But like. As far as Souls clones go, this is not one of the better ones to me so far. I mean, maybe it gets better after because at the end you kind of it feels like you're getting a thing that lets you travel around the Paris a little bit more, and so maybe it opens up and there's more stuff to do. But like for now, I'm just like, oh, this is just the same thing I've done, you know, ten, fifteen times in other games. But most of those other games are better. Yeah. Um, and I think most people are going to find it frustrating. Okay. Uh, if you do, again, if you know Souls games, you're going to be able to get through it, but you're going to be like, well, this isn't as good as from stuff or neo or things like that and if you don't know souls games i wouldn't want you to have to learn on this game because it's so f- it's it really does feel like it, it expects you to know what these games are you know it doesn't really mm-hmm. explain itself yep. tremendously well um which is again a spider's tradition what platforms is steel rising coming up for? uh i want to say i want to say xbox playstation and uh, pc um is it both gens is it ps4 and yes. ps5 okay yes. Which that makes sense. I wouldn't. And, it, and it, it's... then it looks it. It's it's, <laughs> it's some nice. I mean, look, I'm playing on a, on Series X. It looks nice. The, yeah. the, the the lighting's cool. The lighting's good. Like the but like again, not it's, quite. It's, top it's not doing anything that you haven't seen before. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's some cool. You, know, you can. I mean, the character's cool. Uh, you can be. You're you're an automaton, and you get to pick kind of like the designs. I honestly do not like the art style of the game. You can, be, you can pick the designs of the of her limbs, and you can uh, choose uh, like the design of her face and the color. You can actually be dark skin if you want to, which I don't think anybody really knew until the beta came out. Yeah. Um, and you get a lot, a lot of cool clothing. Like you know, I'm I'm wearing like a weird sort of, I don't know, like. You know, 1700s sort of like pants suit with a weird floppy cowboy hat and she, <laughs> with like, eclectic 
with dual bladed fans that come out of my arms and a whip that catches on fire. Like, there's some cool stuff in there. Actually, Vincent says it's next gen only. And I did actually get the lower third right. Next gen only? Yeah, it's only I swear there was PS5 a PS, and Xbox I swear series. there was a PS4 version that I had to not pick on Amazon. Yeah, Maybe not. I guess not. I mean, when I was looking it up before the show, it, that's what our website right. said. So there you go. I am a little surprised by that. Though. Yeah, because it should, doesn't, doesn't look doesn't, like it. Doesn't look like you couldn't have done this. <laughs> Sadly, Matt, there's a lot of games like that. It's one of my biggest pet peeves of this generation of consoles is that we can't get next-gen looking games, unfortunately. So uh, there you go. That's Steel Rising again. PS5, Xbox Series, and PC coming September mm. 8th or 9th. Uh, eighth. eighth eighth and i mean the biggest i think the biggest damnation of it is like i'm not looking forward to having to play that again yeah you know to get have back to play to through that section again yeah yeah because i mean you know, i guess because you know you're gonna have to play it right oh yeah because <laughs> you're not, not gonna play it <laughs> i'm sorry that does suck you're right like every every demo at this point should let you carry over your save into the final game that should just be the way it is and my guess is that maybe why they called it a beta instead of a demo is because I think a lot of people expect demos okay, now. Okay, one second. Don't, bias? Really? What bias? Bias? <laughs> Come on. Come on yourself. What bias? I have played all these games, <laughs> and this game does not help you at all. And I know the Souls games don't do that either, but that's From's thing, and Spiders is not beholden to doing that. They could have explained this way more, and they don't. And that is a failing of this game. Done. Period. Are no. you talking about Delfino? Yeah. I'm not. I don't know. As if any Souls game explains itself. That's a flaw of the Souls games. It is. And no one has to duplicate that flaw when they make a clone of them. I think he's saying, though, that that is a problem, though. Because he's saying, like, no, I had to be he liked Souls. He liked the game. And he's saying that I'm biased because I'm, I'm dinging it for something that From Games do. Uh, well, we also I think that's dings, dumb that From does that, too. No, he dings From's games for that stuff, too. Like, he's not picking. I see no reason these games should be these esoteric, impenetrable pieces of, of like, <laughs> like you know, obscuria. I don't, I don't think they need to be that. I know that the fandom of From Games thinks that that's part of the appeal, but it's not. It's just annoying. And it comes from Demon Souls, which was basically from not being an Atlas' localization, not being able to explain itself well enough. Yeah. How, how long did it take them to figure out what the, the world tendency shit meant in Demon Souls? Like, they, they don't do that. I don't, if you're, you know, at least Neo did explain itself pretty well. Yeah. Maybe a little too much at times. That was I mean, this has been a how -to on complaint that. that I've had with these games all along. Is that they don't explain themselves. No, it's... It's, I, it's been one of my biggest pet peeves with From Software's games. This is not something that we've just picked and chosen Steel, Steel Rising to complain no. about. We've talked about this There's no reason again. to continue that tradition. Yeah. It's like, dumb. If you're not From Software, there's no reason to be weird and obtuse about this. And stuff. even if you are From Software, it's time to change, in my opinion. It's time to figure it out. And someone used a great word in chat, esoteric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no need for it. Like, I, it doesn't make the game better. It it's like doesn't. I've said about the soul stuff where it's like, you you know, everyone goes on and on about the stories and on and on about the the stuff with like the, the you know, the oh, the lore of this. and that. But then like when you watch one of these videos, it lays out the whole like, this is what happened in the backstory to Elden Ring or this is what happened in the backstory to Dark Souls 2 or Dark Souls mm -hmm. 1 or whatever. It's just like... 
oh, there was a king, and this is a magic thing, and he did a bad thing, and now it's all he's really dark. Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> pretty cares? much it. Yeah, I know. Like, it is really dumb. Why do I care what all these fucking kings did, and now there's zombies wandering around? Like, who fucking cares? Do you remember, though, like in, um, we were talking about Elden Ring, and I was talking about how, like, there isn't much of a story, and a lot of the times when you would get to the story part, it was just so esoteric. Yeah. That I would just skip past it, and we were watching. Yeah. And there's stuff in the game to explain who all these people are, but it's like, a, why do you want to do all that? And B, when yeah. you do, when someone does do all that for me and explains this is what it is, yeah. I'm like, that's boring. Well, then like, I, I was screaming Shane versus Elden Ring, and we got to a part where it had some person sitting there who started yeah. this big exposition dump, and like, I got like 40 seconds into it, and I skipped past it, and someone in the chat was like. The, you try to say the story isn't anything and then you skip past the storytelling it's like no I'm telling you this is not the way to tell a story in a video game to keep the players interested mm -hmm. like it just and isn't even if you are again I don't think the stories in those games are very interesting no they're very dumb and obtuse and yeah, like they're people not... romanticize them basically oh, yeah. well because they have to find them because you have to the... It's like a it's like a look what I did thing right. more than like look how good the story is. Yeah. The story is just sort of I mean standard fantasy is being kind, kind. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a lot of babble and I don't know how the story is in um and um Steel Rising is not really that much because there's only been two cutscenes. No, really. Is the well, opening that part they got right. There's the, well, I guess there's three. There's op <laughs> the opening cutscene where they send you out to do your thing uh -huh. and then there's a cutscene where you find a boat to go to Paris and then at the end of the first the second chapter you find the guy you find a guy who's in the office of the guy you've been looking for and he I think it's General Lafayette actually oh. the guy we got a lot of streets named after in America and nobody knows why <laughs> because they don't know their history yeah um uh, but he uh, he's there and he's like oh you might be able to find help over it you might the person i just talked to knows this stuff really well you could go talk to them and they're over here here's the key to the here's the key to his car yeah because there's horseless carriages in this because oh. everything's wind up steam right, power, right. clock punk stuff. Yeah, yeah and then you can go you get the end of the demo the, the beta you go and you you act you go get in the horseless carriage and, and start it up and then it's like see you soon like you're over it's over and right when the game's about to feels like it's about to open up but probably it's just gonna be like maybe you get to pick one more place to go yeah the map of paris is very big and very detailed so like it seems like there must be a lot of levels that really least. turns me off <laughs> but so <laughs> far we want to play the game even so less. far it's very linear level to level to level yeah um and again like unlike elden ring you know in terms of why i say you'll hate this on top of the stamina bar Unlike Elden Ring, if you're stuck on something, there's nothing else there's to do. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. It's classic. That's it's, a deal breaker. You know, it's it's classic Dark Souls design where like deal breaker. You have the next thing you have to and of course the, these were these areas are so much smaller cuz there's only so many, you know, there's you know, even in Dark Souls there's other places you go you could skip things like as far as I know there there've not been any ways to skip things in terms of big fights with things. Right. Um, you know, Dark Souls you, you kind of went forward. your way around and come back the other way and right. you, you know, you, somebody else did this boss cuz they turned right right away and now you went left and you didn't fight that boss until like an hour later kind right. of thing. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be the case in this. It's just like the it's boss is over here and you got to go through him and if you can't do it you're just going to have to grind until you do it. So again, not only is it sort of mushy and annoying combat, but it's also kind of archaic level design by modern souls. That you know, mm -hmm. the opposite of what we saw with that Team Ninja game, where they were sort of anticipating where Sekiro and and Elden Ring were taking the subgenre. This is just a throwback to not even Bloodborne, because Bloodborne didn't really suffer from that. You, they had a couple of different ways to go. Most yeah, of yeah, in Bloodborne. absolutely. 
Yeah, um, I, I got that. lost in Bloodborne a lot. That's yeah. not going to happen in Steel Rising because everything is, is basically <laughs> there's you know it branches out, but it all comes back to the same point. Gotcha. You know? And there's no real different way to go. You're going to see everything in those at least in these early areas. Okay. Hopefully, it gets more convoluted later. All right, but I don't know. I'm you know I would be down for a really like quality Souls alike. And I would be down for a you know a, another iteration on their Bioware RPG thing, but this is neither of those things. This is just it's it feels like just like a weird exercise. Mm -hmm. It's like let's see if we can make a Souls game. Okay, cool. Honestly, it feels like a waste of a cool art direction idea. Hmm. Like I would much rather have played the Greedfall equivalent of Automatons in the French Revolution. Like, this is not an interesting treatment of this subject to me. Okay. All right, we got to move on. Next up, we're going to talk about a game I played very briefly this week. <laughs> we talked about it in a very recent episode of Game Face, and that game is Splatoon 3. Um, I told you guys when we talked about it last time that there was a Splatfest demo, beta, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, happening this past weekend. Um, and it did happen, and I did play it. And we're not going to spend a lot of time d discussing this because there isn't that much to discuss. So if you remember the Splatfest, and if you haven't played Splatoon, you have no idea what the Splatfest is. Splatfests are these special events inside Splatoon where you go into like the overworld, and you walk up to a little board, and you pick which side you want to be on. And typically, it's just two sides. Um, it's like, do you like chocolate or vanilla? And you pick one or the other. And then you basically play, if you pick chocolate, you play against Team Vanilla for the next couple days. And at the end of it all, they add up who's won the most matches. And then one side actually wins the Splatfest. Well, for the first time, they gave you three options for this Splatfest. And it was rock, paper, scissors. I chose rock. No idea why. No idea why anyone chose any of those three options. They mean nothing to me. Um, and then I waited. So you could start on the 25th and like sign up and choose the team that you wanted to play for. And then two days later, they actually had the Splatfest. And I was under the impression that the Splatfest was gonna happen and then it was gonna finish. And then you were just gonna be able to go in and play the game freely, basically play Turf War as much as you wanted. That was not what happened at all. On the 27th, the Splatfest went up. It lasted what seemed like 24 hours or less and then it ended with Rock winning. But I did get to spend at least a few hours playing the Splatfest before it went away, and I honestly cannot hardly see any difference in Splatoon 3 from Splatoon 2. It was so bad that when I went back and tried to play it the next day, and it was already taken down, I loaded up Splatoon 2 to play it back to back to see if I, I could not tell like any difference between the two games. Now there are two, new moves that you have inside Splatoon 3. There's like a quick turn, and then there's a new way to like scale walls. Because one thing you can do in Splatoon you can't do in other games is you can spray a wall with the ink, and you can travel up that wall inside the ink. And that is what really makes Splatoon different from all the other shooter franchises out there. Just traveling in the ink in general. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled to find any changes to this game at all. Like I never got to play any of, there's also one of the new features is three team turf wars. Usually it's just two. 
So you have one team on one side, one team on the other. Whichever team manages to color the level with the most of their ink wins the match. And in the new game in Splatoon 3, you're supposed to be able to play with three teams. Now, I could see the option in the menu that was grayed out, but I was never able to play it. So once again, I was just playing these head-to-head -head matches in Turf War like I've been playing in Splatoon 3 or in Splatoon 2 and the original Splatoon for years and years now. So really if you want the truth, I'm very disappointed in Splatoon 3. Like, I really struggled to see how I could recommend the game to somebody who has already... Oh, my watch is listening to me. How I could recommend the game to somebody who was already play had already played the first two Splatoon games. I really struggled to find anything unique. Or The graphics don't look any better. In fact, I would argue that the ink actually looks worse in Splatoon 3. It's like... It's matte instead of shiny. It doesn't have hmm. like a sheen on it like the ink does in the first two Splatoon games. The, the whole game just kind of looked flat to me. The other thing that was in it that was different was your supers. So the way Splatoon works is after you've inked a certain amount of the territory or the terrain in a map, you max out a meter that gives you your super attack. And generally your super attacks are tied into whatever weapon you select so i always choose a weapon called splat dualies they're basically just dual pistols and they have a really high rate of fire and in the past the, that weapon is dominated for me in splatoon first of all that weapon does not dominate anymore in splatoon there are some new weapons that i have not seen before that now dominate but second of all with the splat dualies i got this really crappy super that i hated using that was basically like you just turn into a torpedo and went in a straight line, and then if you hit something, you stopped, and then like a little explosion of ink happened around. I think I managed to actually kill somebody one time with that super. Um, and then I changed up to another dual pistols um, weapon that gave me a different super, and I didn't like that super either. And so I'll just be honest with you. As I said, when I wrapped up playing Splatoon 3, I immediately loaded up Splatoon 2, and I enjoyed it way more. And it wasn't just because I'm familiar with the maps there, because I had not played for a while and actually ended up playing on some new maps that I had not played in Splatoon 2. So it was very similar to the experience for me in Splatoon 3, and I just preferred the second game better. So I'm really disappointed in it. It's not bad. It's just literally more of the same. And I feel like they could have just kept adding on to Splatoon 2 and maybe waited until they had new hardware where they could really make a splash with the updated version and the new Splatoon 3. Um, the campaign is coming back. It looks like more of the same. The cooperative mode is coming back and they're improving that and that you can access it at all times if you want to, where in the past you had to wait for very specific moments to try to play cooperatively. They're opening that up so you can play at any time. I do like that, but man, for 60 bucks, I really am, after having played it for a good solid day, I really struggle to come up with a bullet point that I would use to sell someone on Splatoon 3. I just mm -hmm. do. I can't think of anything that, any unique selling proposition where I would be like, yeah, buy that instead of buying Splatoon 2 for cheaper. If I mean, you that's kind of what I thought looking at Splatoon 3 all this time. But yeah. I don't know Splatoon well enough to know if that was the a, nuances real, and a real impression, a real thing, or if it's just like as someone from the outside looking at it was just like, I don't see the difference here. Yeah. Um, I, I, was in a, I was in a bar that was playing Splatoon uh, live streaming, like eSports stuff. Oh, really? And, um, Interesting. And I couldn't tell which one it was. Because <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Also. Maybe, maybe, I assumed it was two because three is not out, but maybe if they're doing beta stuff, maybe it was 
three? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, also, my wife hates the music in Splatoon, <laughs> I just discovered. She's like, what is that? I'm like, it's music. She's like, that does not sound like music. <laughs> Have you ever heard the music in Splatoon? No, it's it? like... It is obviously music, but like the vocals in it are like, like they don't sing. Yeah, I know what you're being. Yeah. And so she was like. I have heard some of that. It annoyed the crap out of her. She was that or Power Wash Simulator. What would she prefer? I think Splatoon was worse. The the reaction to Splatoon was definitely worse. Um, I don't have as big a problem with the music in it. I was like, it's music. They're just not singing English. She's like, it's annoying. I was like, okay. Fair enough. Um, Should have started. I see. Ashes in Hour class says the music is awesome. I don't know if I'd call it awesome, but it is different. There's really is. I mean, my wife said it. Like, there's no other music music that sounds like that. It is very unique. Um, It's hard to even like put the music in Splatoon into a genre. It really is. It does defy like description in a lot of ways, and I think it's polarizing. I think Ashes in the Hourglass loves it. My wife detests it. And I kind of fall in the middle where I'm like, some songs can be annoying. Some songs are kind of catchy, but it's all weird. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's kind of Splatoon in a nutshell. It's all weird. Um, so anyway, if you missed out on the Splatfest this weekend, you did not miss much. It ran for a very short period of time. The options were very limited. Uh, the full game does come out pretty soon here in the next month. So you don't have to wait too long to play it. And I do not think they're doing another like early access period either. Maybe somebody else knows different on that. But from what I can tell, that was your one shot to give it a go. And I did, and I was not impressed. Do you have any questions about it, Matt? I know you're not a big nope. Splatoon player. You when does it-, it come out so we can stop talking about it? <laughs> well, at least you know I'm going to play it. Um, Vincent says, I played the three-team mode and it wasn't fun at all. You would think that it would be um, more chaotic uh, because you're trying to paint over two other teams' paint instead right. of just one. Well, from one. what I read, like the team in the middle just gets crushed at the out- outside. I can see that because you have the two sides yeah, coming, and <sighs> you're in the middle, and it's like a sandwich. And they give more people to the middle team, but from what oh, I they saw, do. Yeah, from what I saw online on like Reddit and Twitter, like people were just saying like, oh, the middle team just gets housed at the beginning, and it's just a fight between the, the two side teams. Hmm. Okay. Well, I did not have much fun with it. I went back to Splatoon 2 and had more fun. I ended up playing that for like an extra hour once I jumped back in there. Because again, there were less like a map or two that I had never played before. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'll check these out. Um, Vincent also says, and you can't do that in ink at the same time. Um, Oh, you may not have been able to play it because all the scissors people stopped playing it. Or I guess they were the ones who were put in the middle, maybe. Hmm. Um, there's also something you had to do to defend. Or because they the were middle. so far behind, they knew there was no reason to keep playing. That could be. They're that's looking the at downside this. of a of a triple. That's true. Yeah, you know, if one side gets way far down, there's no reason to. And then you quit. Well, you're never going to catch up. Yeah, so. yeah, it's true. It's a good point. So, yeah, I was. I, and I'm a big fan of Splatoon, by the way. You guys should know that if you watch Game Face, you've been hanging around Sifted for a while. I like Splatoon. Uh, I was not a huge fan of Splatoon 3. So I'm hoping the final game with all the mm. options and the features. And Scissors the... was in the lead at the halfway point of the Splatfest, so they got put in the middle in the three-way battles, and everybody quit. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I can see that. Yep. That is a, another one of those game design, not surviving contact with the enemy thing. Yeah. So I... Well, I did choose Rock, and Rock did end up winning the Splatfest. And I think I get, like, a shirt or something. Like, you get a shirt when you spark, yeah. start the Splatfest, but they tell you, like, when it's over, you can't use that shirt in, like, the normal version of the game or whatever. So. Yeah, I don't know. I could get, I, I'd try it if, like, I got a code for it or something. I'm not going to spend full yeah. price for that. I don't blame you. sound like a thing I need and to And I'll do. be honest with you, Matt, if you've tried the other ones and you didn't like them, you're yeah. not going to like this 
one. That's just the facts. I like Splatoon 1 fine. I played it on the Wii U. It was mm -hmm. fine. I don't feel like I need to do it again. You probably don't. Nope. If you didn't like it, you definitely don't need to. Uh, so there you go. That's Splatoon 3. Next time we'll cycle back around for this game is when it comes out. And again, it's coming out like the second week of September. Um, so it won't be long and we'll be talking about it one last time. And hopefully I have better news. Next up, we're going to talk about another game that I played this week and one that I was pleasantly surprised by. And that game is Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed. It is a remaster of Destroy All Humans 2, although they do tweak some things here and there. For the most part, it is just a graphical overhaul. And I will say this, it is an overhaul, Matt. Yeah, it looked like it. It is. They did a lot of work on this stuff. I'm actually shocked at how much work they did on this no, game both, because both I'm like, these, why? Both of the, the Destroy All Humans have been ground up remakes, like just like Crash. Yeah. Like, it just... No one cares. <laughs> but like they just weren't the popular. I'm amazed they did too. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I, 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 I did play the first one, the first remake. Yeah, uh, yeah, so did I. And I was like, yeah, was, I mean, I was actually pleasantly surprised by that one too. Yeah, they did a good job. There's not a whole lot to the game, mm -hmm. in part because of what it, you know, it was an early open world, you know, in, on the heels of GTA Three kind of thing, mm -hmm. and it's not a whole lot to do. But like, it, they had a personality. Yeah, you know, it was memorable for the most part. With the theme and the kind of the grossness of it, where you know there's a lot of like gratuitous violence because all the open world games had to have that because of GTA, and mm -hmm. and it was funny. You know, the guy doing the weird Jack Nicholson alien impression, was, you know, there was some stuff there. Mm -hmm. Um, I never played the second one back in the day, but... I played the first one and then didn't make it too far in the second one. The first thing I'll say, Matt, is that this is a vast improvement over the first, hmm. like they made the game way better with the second game. The other thing I will say is I enjoyed playing this more than I enjoyed playing Saints Row. Mm, I no. hate to admit it, but I did. And I'll also say this, Matt. We were done with Saints Row. Yeah. When we talked about it last week, we did not realize it. We were at the end of the game. If you went, yes, I went and finished Saints Row. I had to play an extra like hour and a half. Wow. So that point that we talked about last week where you have to go back and finish like at least two of the criminal enterprises once you do that it you get to the point of no return it says like there's a party if you go to this party there's no coming back and that's the end sequence of the game wow it ended up being insanely short so then do they just like kick you back out in the world to do all the rest of the yep and, stuff you haven't and done the yet? crazy thing is matt there's only once they kick you back into the open world there's only two missions to complete and one of the missions is like finish all the criminal enterprises right and that's it figures so that game ended up being pretty wow. damn short yeah that's shocking uh-huh but the plot's all wrapped up hmm. every all the story's done after you go to the party and like do the lot wow. anyway i would not have guessed that. me either we had no idea no. we were talking about it last week like we were halfway through it we were done with the game wow. Matt. <laughs> it's crazy but anyway I have enjoyed playing this more than I enjoyed playing Saints Row. Now, obviously, they're different games. And the other thing I would say, Matt, is I, I have a new appreciation for the earlier open world games after playing this. Because the worlds are, it is an open world game, but the worlds aren't, like, gigantic. They're big, but they're not, like, overwhelming. Like, you actually learn the area. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it wasn't like I'm having to follow, like, a waypoint 
to and the game gives you waypoints yeah. to send you from one mission to the next. I was thinking about that playing Saints Row at one point where I was like kind of like getting back to the home base early on. I was like, where where is it? I'll just put that on the map. Yeah. I was thinking about how when GTA 3 came out, like there were there was no GPS. There was, you know, all you had to just look, pull up the map and look at it to mm-hmm. figure out where you go. And like we learned the streets of that city. Mm-hmm. Like I could drive anywhere in that city. Yeah. Like, if, you know, like, oh, it's over there. Okay, I can get there. I know oh, over here. You take a left. You go this way. It's a dead end. So you got to go this way and take you around. That'll get you to the bridge. Like we became taxi drivers basically yeah. in that in that game. And like that doesn't. And part of the reason you're able to do that is because of the size of the world was just big enough to be big, but not big enough that you couldn't keep it's track of everything. Yeah. And, like, imagine trying to do that with, like, Ghost Recon or something. No, I know. Or any open-world yeah. game anymore. They're all this way. They're just too Even GTA big. GTA Five is yeah. too much. Like, you get a jetpack in this game immediately. And that jetpack, like, it's awesome. It works great. It's intuitive. Mm-hmm. It's easy to use. You can jump across the top of the buildings. You get to the top of the building, yeah. and you can see the whole world. You're there like, was a time when you could do that in Saints Row. Right. Not with a jetpack. Yeah. You just jump to the top of a building or fly or whatever. Yeah, so you start this, and it's in San Francisco. There's, like, five different cities, and they're all, like, knockoffs of, the, of real cities in the United States for the most part. And, like... It's you get up on top of a building. You're like, there's the Golden Gate Bridge. There's the Golden Gate Park. Like, there's the Presidio. Like, you see all the and you and you immediately know how to get around and get places without having to look at for a waypoint all the time. Like, there's something to be said for these earlier games where the worlds just weren't overwhelmingly large. At least I think after playing this, I feel that way. Um, the plot of this game picks up right after the end of the first one. Um, you play as Furon or whatever the hell his name is, um, and it's set kind of in the '60s. Like in this first part of the game, mm. you're in San Francisco, so you're constantly dealing with hippies with the last name like Bongwater and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're the all the first one was all '50s stuff. So. Yep, and they all talk like they're burnouts or whatever. And and it, they do a good job. Like the writing in this is really good. However, the voice actor for Furon is so bad. Which one's Furon? He is the alien, the the protagonist. Your guy? Okay. Yes. I thought his name was Crypto. He wasn't the first one, but they call him Furon in this one. Is a different guy? I think so. He has like a gravelly, like, rah, 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 voice. Hmm. And I'm like, dude, that is the last voice I would ever guess would come out of an alien. It's just, I found it really annoying and really horribly cast. In the first game, he basically sounded like Jack Nicholson. Right. And this guy's like, I find it out at the Golden hmm. Gate Park. Rah. I'm like, what the hell? Like, who t- who decided on that? Now, the rest of the voice cast is amazing. And the writing, legitimately funny. Like, there, I had serious belly laughs. Now, this game is, like, ancient. A lot of these jokes still hit. They still landed. Like, they're making jokes about, like, basically the plot of the game is, like, you're trying to get revenge on the KGB in Russia from the first game. And so you have a lot of interactions with, like, Russian KGB agents. And there's all these, like, Cold War jokes that are still funny because we're still dealing with freaking psycho Russia. <laughs> like, the timing for this game to come out, perfect. Because we're dealing with Russia again right now. And all the jokes in this are all about Russia. And the Cold War, the USSR, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it is set in the swinging 60s in all its chemical-induced glory. So there's lots of moments in this where you get dosed on drugs and the screen goes crazy, and your perception gets crazy. Yeah, I am ready to not do that ever again in an f- open-world game. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I'm, I find that so boring. In this, I mean, most, <laughs> and I can blame most of that on uh, Far Cry. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, oh, just, we don't, we, don't, we don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to do that again, because I guess, because guess what? It's all been done. 
Yeah. Like, you're not going to have a new idea. You're not going to show me something I haven't seen. You're going to use the same wavy, weird effect and all the weird color shit. And, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> Stop it. Well, there's a lot of that in this. Um, let's see. The graphics. I'm sure you've been watching this B-roll. This looks so much better than the original did. Every um, part of it. I hope so. The original is, like, a PS2? It is PS2, yeah. yeah. Like, even the uh, character model for Furon. He has, like, those breathing holes now that are animated and like, the side of his jaw or whatever. Um, everything, the smoke, all the effects, all have been redone. They all look great. Um, what I really like about this game is it's an open world game that feels like a Ratchet and Clank game. Like, it's not like a typical open world game where you get like a pistol and a shotgun and a assault rifle and an SMG and eventually you get a rocket launcher. This is like Ratchet and Clank crazy gadget stuff. Like, one of the first things that you get is this gun that shoots music that makes everybody dance. And then if they're dancing, it makes it easier for you to like take them over. As you're seeing, you have the telekinesis stuff where you can pick up anything and throw it. And not and like a human turns into like a missile when you do that. Like the, I thought the combat in this game was flipping amazing and like something that I have not played in a really really long time. I feel like everything has become so realistic that all these games are just bleeding together. And this is, this is a really good counterpoint to the Saints Row. It is like just why did you make it so boring? Right. I've had a, I've been having a blast with this game. This game was way ahead of its time. Like, I know people don't think about that when they think about the Destroy All Humans franchise, but give this game a chance, man. I was blown away by the stuff that I did in this in just the first four or five hours. Like, it just kept continually catching me off guard. They upgrade you with new weapons literally like every 20 or 30 minutes. Um, so you're just always learning something new. You're learning a new mechanic. There's all the weapons that you get that you're seeing now. But then he also has all his, like, alien abilities, like the ability to take over other people's bodies. Like... You can just take over anyone's body. There's puzzles built around it. So there's sometimes where you need to take over a cop so you can go and use the cop's phone. Or you need to take over the body of a hippie so you can talk to the hippie guru who has the location of somebody that you're looking for. Like the puzzles that they work into this game based upon the powers that they give you are also very clever and very unique. i very pleasantly surprised by this. I can't believe how much I'm enjoying playing this old rickety game. And it is still a little rickety. Like, there are moments, you may have picked up on them in the B-roll, where it will go to a cutscene, and you'll get, like, a flash frame. Just some random flash frame that isn't even related to the cutscene that you're watching. Like, it'll just be, like, a shot of the alien. Just flash. Like, right before the cutscene starts, like, hmm. there's, like, hangovers from the old code that they haven't been able to, like, rectify 100%, unfortunately, for this new version. But again, still pleasantly surprised by everything else. There's all these other elements to it. There are RPG elements where you're gradually like building up your character. You vacuum up humans from different countries and you grind them up into DNA DNA cocktails to upgrade your skills. Like wacky and avant-garde is the best way to put it. Again, the weapons are inventive and different and unique. Like every time you get one, you're excited to try it versus most open world games. You're like, yep, I got a shotgun. I know how the shotgun works love the jetpack like there are vehicles like you get a a, 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 sh a flying saucer that you can fly around wherever you want it has a death ray and i will say this the game is really easy like one thing i did was the first time i got the ufo i just flew around and killed everybody because mm -hmm. it's a like literally a disintegration ray so i went around and blew everything up and then went and parked it and then went through the level as the alien to kind of mop yeah. things up i mean up. this was kind of where the open world stuff was shifting away from the gta model and kind of being like hey what if these things were just like power trips yeah 
and you know didn't have to be like you know punishingly difficult or like weird to control and so like it was mm-hmm. you know it was, it was it was a period of people like kind of breaking away from the idea of, of how rockstar made these things mm-hmm. and uh in general i think that's that's why the open world genre kind of blew up the way it did outside of gta there's so much creativity in this game is what i'm getting at like it's really a shame how it got lost in the shuffle you gotta remember when this came out like mm-hmm. this was an era where every month there were like 50 or 60 games being released. Yeah. And things would just get lost. Like there was just too many options and not enough people that were talking about them because there were also like five mainstream gaming outlets back then. Like it wasn't like it is now where you have tons of YouTubers and streamers and influencers who are a lot of times showcasing games that the big boys wouldn't showcase. It just kind of got lost. It's really, really a shame. Um, there are some tweaks to the gameplay. It's not just all visuals. Like a one tweak that they've added for this, it allows you to do like multitask where in the past you had to like choose, okay, am I going to anal probe somebody or am I going to shoot somebody? Now you can use like his alien like sci-fi abilities in conjunction with his guns at the same time. So you can kind of like multitask. You can shoot things while you're taking over like human bodies or whatever. And that does give you a lot more flexibility in how you play. Um, I did have a mission bug out. There was like a kind of a semi boss fight that happened in stages and we got to the third stage and the boss ended up getting trapped behind like a rock or something. Hmm. And so I wasn't able to finish the battle with the boss, but I reloaded the checkpoint and that fixed it. Like he just didn't get stuck the second time. Um, so there are some issues with this. It's not a hundred percent polished. Like I mentioned, like the weird flash frames in the cinematics earlier, there are parts of it that are still a little bit unpolished, but overall, I've had a blast with this game. I am definitely going to keep playing until something else comes along that I absolutely have to play. Um, this game is 40 bucks, and it's a pretty big game. Like, There's five major cities that you go to, and generally you'll spend, I don't know, a couple hours in each one. So it's not like an eight or nine hour game. It will take you a while to get through it. Um, it is 40 bucks, And the other thing too, Matt, that was not the case with the remaster of Destroy All Humans 1 is that this is next-gen only. It is PC, Mm -hmm. PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. And the reason that is is because you can play the whole game with somebody else locally via split screen. Initially, there is supposed to be four-player split screen, but now that I have the final version of the game, it only offers it for two. I don't know if four-player is going to come later or if they ended up just having to cut the feature. They couldn't make it work. I don't know. But the build that I have of this game, it is only for two players, split split screen co-op. Um, and it did just come out today. This is another game that we got review code for and we were able to play it before it actually came out. It went live today, again, on PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. And again, I had a blast with this game and it is coming out at the perfect time when there isn't a lot of other great games to play right now. So um, I know it may be surprising that I'm recommending this game, but I am. Like, I really enjoyed my time that I spent with it, and I'm going to keep on playing it. Hmm. And again, PC, PS5, Xbox Series X. At this rate, maybe we'll even get Path of the Furon. Right. Remade. Is that the third one? Yeah. Yeah. In the last, there's an, there was a Wii one, too. I think it'll depend on how it sells, honestly. Feels like they're warming up to try to make a new one, I would think. Maybe. I mean, um, it's 2HQ it's Nordic, so... Path of the Furon was not very good, as I recall. I don't remember. I know I didn't play that one at all. Um... But I had a blast with this one. Again, just tons and tons of creativity. Tons of unexpected things. Like, one of the guns you get makes your enemies bounce around. 
<laughs> and that's what it does. But and it's, as the enemies bounce around, they kill other enemies. But like, I first used it, and it was like, oh my gosh, like my jaw dropped. And then I started figuring out how to use it and how to get good with it. Again, you can pick up anything in the game and throw it. You can pick up a car. You can pick up enemies. You can you can grab rockets out of midair as they're coming at you, and then turn them around and fire them at the enemy who fired the rocket. Like again, there's just so much cool stuff that you can do in this game that I don't get to do in, mo- in modern open world games in 2022. Um, so it's a step back in some ways, but I also think that some of the steps back are kind of refreshing, like having a world that you can actually memorize and learn. Um, I am shocked at how much that impacted me being able to do that in this game. So that's it. Destroy All Humans 2. It is, I would say it is a remaster and not a remake uh, but they did do a drastic job on the graphics. It's like night and day from the PS2 version of the game to what you're getting now. Um, and there were just very slight tweaks to the gameplay. But otherwise, it pretty much plays the same. Which also means that if you want, you can go back and use guides from the original game. And they should be able to help you in this one as well. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed. Next up. Breaking news this morning. We got the first information on the next Assassin's Creed. The Assassin's Creed that we all thought was going to be called Assassin's Creed Rift. Today, streamer Jonathan, and he spells Jonathan with like a zero for the O and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Just if you want to try to find him, we try to credit everybody who breaks news here on Game Face. And so if you want to find the guy who originally broke the information, that's him. Um, he has leaked a bunch of details about the new game, and most of this information, I will add, has been corroborated by Jason Schreier from Bloomberg, which means that generally 95% certainty that this information is legitimate. Um, first big thing is that it's now called Assassin's Creed Mirage, and it is set in Baghdad, and it stars one of the characters from Valhalla. How do you pronounce his name? Balim? Uh, Balim? Balim. Balim? Yes. He is the star of the game. However, he is a young buck in this. He's like a child growing up. Um, I think at a certain point, he before the game finishes, he does become an adult. Yeah, he, he starts as a thief and joins the Hidden Ones. And basically is the origin story of the older assassin guy in Valhalla. Mm-hmm. So, well, do no, you like that character? I thought he was interesting. Like he's, you know, they, they don't really get into all, him too much. He's just sort of, and there's a period where you're like, do I trust this guy? Like even mm-hmm. his, even like the, the protege assassin is sort of like, well, I don't know much about him really. Yeah. Like, exactly that kind of thing. It was, it, it's an interesting move. Um, also interesting that clearly they're getting rid of a lot of the RPG elements. You're not going to be creating, you know, choosing your character, switching, you know, picking gender or like whatever. There, you are playing an established character in the in the mythos basim Noctator uh, nightus reminds me okay. yeah. yeah it takes place in baghdad between the years 80 870 and 860 um as matt said it's a return to basics it has no rpg elements or leveling system whatsoever how do you feel about that matt do you think you're gonna miss it i mean i like the rpg elements but i also like think this return to sort of a more assassin's creed one influence is good yeah i agree like, I'm, I'm, especially for like something that's you know being kind of billed as a as a not a full-fledged big event yeah game but more of a smaller game like yeah i think that's a good you know if you're gonna make it more of like a ghost go into the cities and there's crowds and blade in the crowd stuff like if you're gonna take influence from assassin's creed one which he the leak says that they are like good 
Like I'd like to. You know, I don't want to. I don't want the big sprawling RPG version of this franchise to go away because I like those. Mm-hmm. But I like this too. You know, I, yeah. I, I think there's room for both. I agree. Um, and I hope that they continue with this kind of two pronged approach. I hope that they have one set of games that are pared down a little bit, a little more simple. And then they also continue to create the gigantic sprawling action RPGs that they've been making for the last few entries as well. Um, couple other notes. There are no dialogue choices. Yeah. How do you feel about that? That's Assassin's Creed. Yeah. You're going back to basics, back to the old format. That yeah. was That's that, Assassin's Creed. kind of have to do it. Yep. No gender choice. Yeah. Like I said, he's an established you, character. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I guess since he was debuted in the other game, he you can't yeah. have a male. You're telling a, a story version. about an established character, that's fine. Yeah, you know, like if, but if it's going to be a new character with no ground rules, like yeah, let me create it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Eagle Vision returns. I feel like that never really completely disappeared. Like I always felt like there was like some different permutation of it. There is, but it's been you know the the kind of the drone thing you know for the for the the ancient trilogy it's been almost like a ghost recon thing where you mm-hmm. switch up to the this sounds like it's more gonna be you know the way altair did it yep and i'm okay with that as well um and it is basim and he was from valhalla and he um he play you play him as a youth and he has a weapon called a string dagger mm. so that just sounds like a dagger on a rope to me that's what it sounds like maybe so a dagger that you can use and throw and then retract and get it back, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a hook shot that's a dagger, I guess. Yeah. Who knows if they'll have traversal tied You're, you're going to swing from that. Yeah, I was yep. going to say. Maybe like Spider-Man, Assassin's Spider-Man or whatever. Um, and they are saying spring 2023 release window, so it's coming soon. And the other rumor is that a remake of Assassin's Creed 1 will be coming as part of the season pass for the game. And built on what was created for Rift, Mirage. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I think you could use it. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is crazy that we're getting to the point where Assassin's Creed can be remade. <laughs> like, well, 15 years. It's it's insane how quickly time is slowing by. And they're starting to come around timeline-wise to... But, you know, they're only like a few hundred years away. Right. Yeah, that's that, true. That point. That's pretty crazy to think about, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's the one. I mean, I like Assassin's Creed One. I still liked it a lot at the time. I still like it. I played it five times. Um, but there's, you know, there's definitely a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor in that game. And mm-hmm. I think that a remake that kind of synthesizes all the ideas into something that works together more smoothly would be very worth doing. Yeah. How do you feel about what I said as far as like having a two pronged approach to the franchise going forward? Sure. One, do you think it's feasible? And two, are you into that? I think it's feasible in the sense that Ubisoft can do whatever the hell they want. Like they've got enough people to throw at whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's a nice change to to maybe get more stuff like this as opposed to like just every couple of years we put out this giant sprawling thing that we then support for extremely long too long amounts of time yeah and you better like the theme or you're going to be not really enjoying the assassin's creed stuff for for a couple of years yeah um this is i think this is a more interesting way to go about it I, i'm i'll be honest with you i'm just ready plan for it a out a little bit more so we're not doing a thing where like revelations didn't have the features that Brotherhood introduced, right. and then three didn't have features that Revelations introduced. Hey, I'll keep it consistent, like plan it out. But um, yeah, I think I think the two styles can ex- coexist alongside each other. I'll be honest with you, I'm ready for a break. I'm ready to start playing an Assassin's Creed that I feel like I'll be able to finish. Mm-hmm. 
Like Odyssey, I limped myself across the finish line. I never finished Valhalla. I never made yeah, it I to still the haven't end. Finished Val- Valhalla's gigantic. It's insane. Like, we just keep adding it's too stuff. much. It's too much. Well, I don't. I don't think the the mythology stuff they've done for Valhalla is particularly compelling. Me either. Like, I don't, nope. Might just be that I've. I mean, I don't have a lot of affinity for Viking stuff anyway. I don't have a lot of affinity for Norse mythology rehashed again because Norse mythology feels like it's been done in games. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need a, a Norse mythology hit, I'm gonna play God of War. I'm yep. sorry. Yeah, yep. like that's a more compelling version of that. Um, like you know the the ancient alien thing that Assassin's Creed does is is cool and all, but like the ancient aliens as the the Norse gods in Valhalla, I just think mostly falls flat, and mm-hmm. I really don't like the level design of the you know the the of Asgard and and uh, Niflheim and all the like all the all the 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 nine worlds stuff. I just don't think any of that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just hasn't you know. I think uh, honestly, I think Phoenix Rising was a way more interesting take on mythology stuff mm-hmm. in that it played a little more straight and played a little more fun. And I don't think Valhalla really captured that very well. Yeah. I know Valhalla's not trying to. They're not trying to they're trying to play it straight. Yeah. But I think that's a mistake for, for in, in large large part. This they is all not, Odyssey had a little more of a sense of humor about the mythology stuff and it I did. appreciated that. Yeah, agree, agreed. Um, this is all good news to me. Um, yeah. All of it. The fact that we're going to finally get another Assassin's Creed in, you know, five months or whatever. And wait. another Assassin's Creed in the Middle East with, with right. more... You know, they said multiple cities. They're separated by desert, just like the first one. Like, I like the way they went about that in the first one. I, miss- well, I think that's one thing Schreier pushed back on, actually, was mm-hmm. the multiple cities thing. Mm-hmm. That was the one part of the information that he said was not congruent with what mm-hmm. his sources were well, saying. Well, I would imagine that Baghdad will be, like, the main yeah. setting, and then there'll probably be outskirts stuff. The other thing, too, to remember but, like, is... But I miss the, the densely populated city aspect of the old Assassin's Creed. That's yeah. one of the only things I really like thought they never found a way to replicate properly in the new ones. Yeah. The other thing to remember too is that all along we've known that Rift was supposed to be a pared down take on Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, so this information is just dovetailing perfectly in with all the other stuff we had heard about Rift up until we found out that this is now called Assassin's Creed Mirage. So this is all good news to me. Also, another final tidbit, September 10th is the next Ubisoft Forward, and both Jonathan, the source of this information, and Jason Schreier confirmed that at that Ubisoft Forward, there is going to be a big section of it dedicated to the future of Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't have to long to wait just about two weeks until we learn about Assassin's Creed beyond this new Assassin's Creed Mirage. So should get a lay of the land very soon for that. It'll be the last of the E3 press conferences coming on September 10th, even though now it's after Gamescom. It's weird that UB didn't do something at Gamescom. It's a European company. Mm. For whatever reason, it just didn't. So anyway, that's the latest on Assassin's Creed Rift, which is now actually called Assassin's Creed Mirage. Pared down version, getting the OG game remade as part of the season pass. That's crazy. And it's coming fairly soon. Worked for Call of Duty. What'd you say? Worked for Call of Duty. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And it's coming fairly soon, within the next five or six months. Okay. With that, it's time for some of your favorite parts of Game Face. It's time for... Let me get the sound up here. Alright, so Name That Game is a little game we play here on Game Face, where I show you five screenshots of a video game, and you need to guess the name of the game. You need to guess it before Matt. Kyle, you win all ties. 
A couple notes before we get going. You cannot play if you've already won this year. Do not type anything at all. Just sit it out, chill out. Go play the game that we gave you when you won for five minutes while everyone oh, else just, plays. Oh, just say Body Harvest already. <laughs> Where is he? Where's Emperor um, Dread at? Typing of the dead. That's Justin's, apparently. That's the one he's going to use. Actually, where is Emperor Dread? Is he not He not in the chat today? He must not be. Okay, I, don't, he, I don't recall seeing him. Or he would have already typed it in. No, it's not Body Harvest. It is not typing of the dead either. Um, so anyway, if you've already won this year, do not play. Let somebody else win. This is all about having fun. I'm Emperor Dread, they say he's here. He's just chilling out. He must not be paying attention. Um, another note is we turn on slow mode, and Vincent has done this already, to play name that game. And basically that means that you can only send one message every minute. So if you're sitting there right now saying, oh, I'm just going to just spam the chat with random game titles, hoping that I guess it right, that will not work. Make sure your guesses count. You only get one per minute. And once you send one, you got to wait 60 seconds before you can send another one. So make sure you make your guesses count. Um, and with that, I think I figured out how to explain name that game in a much shorter version than I've ever explained it before. And hopefully I'll remember to do it next week as well. Well, we won't be here next week. But anyway, it's time for name that game. Matt, are you ready? Sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I haven't gotten it in forever. They're too good. Well, you're playing against like hundreds of people. It's You shouldn't win. Um, and we don't want you to win anyway. We want to give away free games to you guys. So anyway, here is the first image for Name That Game for Game Face Episode 314. Go. Ooh. I think this one's going to be easy, by the way. I'll be surprised if we make it to the third image. It's pretty. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Pokemon Red and Blue, that's a no. <laughs> Far Cry 2, no. Kind of looks like Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, no. Shadow of the Colossus, no. A lot of people guess Shadow of the Colossus. Nah, I wouldn't know Shadow of the Colossus. That's all no from all of you. Eco, no. Eco, no. Ghost of Tsushima, no. Nier, no. Metal Gear Solid 3, no. Nier Automata, no. Sifu, no. A lot of Nier Automatas. Metal Gear 4, no. It does no. have that kind of washed out Nier lighting quality. Zelda, I, no. I see why they would say that. <laughs> that sequel to Shadow of the Colossus, no. <laughs> Vanquish, no. Breath of the Wild, no. Guitar Hero Remake, no. Sneaky. Uh, Snake Eater, no. MGS3, same thing, no. Metal Gear Solid 5, no. Okay, we're going to the second image. And here it is. Is that Eco? E they already guessed Eco. No, it's not Eco. Hmm. That's, that's a sequel to... Fox and Crow just got it. Oh, that's somebody did say the sequel to Shadow of the Colossus. What'd you say? Well, I didn't say the real name. What, The Last Guardian? Yeah. Because Sub-Sam Jam said that sequel to Shadow of the Colossus, which I assume they mean uh, Last Guardian. Oh. Doesn't count. Too bad. You don't, you don't say the name, it doesn't count. <laughs> Too bad. The Fox and Crow got it. It is The Last Guardian. Uh, now I'll show you that first image again, and maybe yeah. rings a bell. Here no, it, was, ha it has that art style, too. I knew this was going to be an easier one, because it is a very definitive art style. Here's the third image. And notice on the left there, I just gave you a there's little the bit of the feathers yeah. there, so you could pick up on it. And then here's the fourth image. And there are those like weird things mm -hmm. that you use for all the puzzle solving. And I just gave a little bit of a piece of that. I don't want to give the whole thing away there. And then here's the last image that would have totally given it away, where you can see a silhouette and all the feathers. At least I think it would have given it away. 
Well, there you go. Congratulations to the Fox and Crow. Great job, man. Make sure that you send us a DM here on Twitch, or you can send me a DM on Twitter. I'm at Dinfire. Or you can send the site a DM on Twitter at Sifted Games, or you can go to sifted.net and send me a DM on the site at Shane. Any of those ways you can get at us, and we will hook you up with your free game courtesy of Swanland, who you should all thank in the chat. He just hooked me up with another collection of game codes yesterday. Uh, so we can keep on so we can keep going with name that game everybody thank him so we can keep having fun with this i have fun doing it and it seems like you guys have a lot of fun playing as well i still never saw emperor dread jump in here anywhere though mm, maybe you had to go somewhere yeah could be anyway great got an job. empire to run Can't be here every time. <laughs> he's got to go play body harvest anyway <laughs> great job the fox and crow congratulations once again um, and make sure you send us that DM so we can get the code out to you and you'll get your free game. Uh, we do have a little bit of time for some Q&A here. Let's bring up the chat and see what you guys are asking, if there is anything. Um, here we go from Justin Horman. What are your thoughts about that weird story about EA being acquired by Amazon? That was actually a topic in today's show that I cut after we got the information about Assassin's Creed. So mm -hmm. funny that you would bring that up. Do you think that was a where's the smoke, there's fire kind of thing? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that that just came from nowhere. No, we've been speculating on that for a while now. Yeah. And I think, I, think, I think wheels are in motion on that. I do wonder what Amazon... They denied that real fast, mm -hmm. you notice. Yeah, I do wonder what Amazon thinks it will get from that acquisition. I wonder what anyone thinks. I mean, I'm again back catalog. Yeah, like that, there's there's a lot of properties EA is sitting on that I think a lot of people would like to do something with. Yeah, uh, not sir. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I do think it's a where there's smoke, yeah. there's fire kind of thing. I think eventually we'll. I'll be pretty surprised if we don't see some actual movement on that from someone. Maybe not Amazon specifically, but yeah. someone in the next six months. Clearly, there's discussions being. Well, had. it may have kicked other potential yeah. suitors into gear maybe like oh crap amazon's thinking about that could have been why it was leaked that's absolutely right sometimes they do stuff like that on purpose yeah. but yeah cnbc says that that was not the case because and remember comcast nbc universal was the first suitor for mm -hmm. ea so all cnbc did was just go to the people who had been handling the discussions when they tried to acquire it and they all said no this is hogwash so it could be that NBC Universal is also like trying to put down the flames. That would like, also be a weird pick. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, let's see. The Boomafu with the Crack Bros. Hey Matt, what do you think of Dwayne Johnson expressing hope for an eventual crossover between the DC Extended Universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And the question for Shane is, what would be your game of the forever? Because I know Matt is No Man's Sky. <laughs> You don't have to ask me a question if you ask Matt one. It's, yeah. it's totally fine. What do you think about uh, The Rock, Matt? I mean, I think he's just talking. Um, I, I mean, I guess it could happen if, uh, you know, Warner Brothers inevitably melts itself down and Marvel buys DC, uh, which is not as far-fetched as it once was because, wow. Yeah. I, 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 the, I did not see Warner Brothers crashing and burning itself under the Discovery bosses the way they are so far. It's, it's astounding. Um uh, they're losing so many billions in market cap right now, and it's for no reason. For no, there's no reason. It, all they, well, they just wanted to save three billion, and they've dropped the value of the company to a degree that I just did not possibly predict. And there's 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 rumors that like 
the reason Shazam 2 and Aquaman 2 got delayed is because they can't afford to market them. Oh, geez. And they're hoping the revenue from Black Adam and other movies will give them the, the, the cash. They they're need. living hand to mouth. They might be. Wow. There's, there's some people who got laid off that are basically saying that that's what's happening. That's bad. Which would be astounding. That's embarrassing. Um, as for the cross, I mean, I don't. There, there's some bad blood there, and Warner Brothers doesn't play nice with anybody, really. So, like, I can't see that crossover. I mean, Warner, DC, and Marvel would have been talking, you know, informally. The people that work there, obviously, they don't hate each other. You know, they know each other. They all in the comic industry. You know, the DC versus Marvel stuff happened in the '90s in the the Amalgam universe, where they mushed all the DC and Marvel characters together, and made, like those are very popular, extremely, extremely well liked. The Amalgam stuff, at least. Um, and like you t- talk about today to younger kid people, and they they can't believe it even happened. But yeah, mm-hmm. thing, back then, Warner Brothers still owned them, but there was no there wasn't the acrimony between them. There wasn't the the billions of dollars at stake for the movie business and all that. It wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I do not see any kind of crossover like that happening, um, unless at some point Marvel slash Disney acquires DC. Yeah. Um, and and then they can start integrating things because a those universes are not compatible the way the DCEU has been portrayed um like you can't cross uh, crossing over Zack snyder superman with marvel Car- avengers is like you, know, you might as well just have thanos come back at that point because superman is a villain yep. in, in those movies and um also uh, from the marvel perspective never align yourself with a loser like what like what does it get you to Crossover with those, yeah. Movies. Why? Nothing. It's going to do nothing. Marvel no good. No, this is all is, to help. There's DC. No benefit there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, this, it's all very well and good for uh, Dwayne Johnson to talk about that because it would help him a lot because yeah. he's in the DC side. I have no reason to believe that Marvel wouldn't welcome him as another character on their side. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's places there's places to put the Rock in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that do not involve having to engineer. A I mean, giant how crazy Marvel. is it that he's not a part of it already? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, know what the deal is there. He's a muscle head. Like, he should have been in it a long time ago, really. There's a bunch. I mean, a lot of the characters he could have played are a little more niche. You know, they're yeah. not leading roles. Yeah. Um, uh, but you can find some, you know, the, the, with the X-Men coming in. Do you think that's why? Do you think he's I like, think so. I need a leading role he or wants I'm a not lead, going to do He it. wants a leading role of a, of, a, of, a, of a major superhero. He wants to be a good guy. I he wants to have a franchise. Like he's the rock. He wants, he wants, I, a, he wants I know. a franchise. I know. <laughs> um, he's not. I don't think he's going to get it with Black Adam. But I mean, he's also talking about how he should fight uh, Henry Cavill as Superman. And I'm like, Henry Cavill's not coming back as Superman, dude. It's over. Like, yeah, yeah. I know they got the people talking about like, oh, Affleck's back. The Snyderverse is back. No, Affleck came back to shoot two cameos because they haven't. They're not going to get Flash out until like 2024, if ever. And that's what sets up that Michael Keaton was Batman, mm. and Michael Keaton was supposed to be Batman in those other movies. And now it doesn't make sense of Michael Keaton to play Batman in those movies. And Ben Affleck was kind enough and willing to take a whole truckload of money to come back and shoot for one day. To do stuff to, to make to, it work to play Batman and Aquaman and these other things mm-hmm. like that's all that is. Yeah, they're just plugging holes with like all the. I mean, it's unbelievable what's happening there. Like they can't even. I mean, you finally almost get everything together, and then like the and you figure out a way to pivot the whole universe. So and like and then you get the guy the, and then you get the person playing Flash like kidnapping people allegedly. This <laughs> is like so weird. It really like, is. It just seems like it's cursed. Like at this point, the story around the Flash movie is way more interesting than whatever the Flash movie is about. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. It's pretty insane. We'll see what they do with it. I mean, that's gonna be more interesting than whatever happens in that film. Um, but no, I do not think that is a thing that could, that's going to happen. At this point, they, I'd be surprised if they were even able to bring back the DC versus Marvel books in print. Yeah. 
There's no, there's no, there's no agreement there. There's no alignment between Disney and Warner Brothers at this point. There will never be until maybe ever. I mean, like I said, I think there may come a time when Warner Brothers has devalued itself so strongly in a, in, a, in a bid to be bought by somebody that they kind of piecemeal sell off DC and maybe Warner Brothers Interactive or at least the individual developers. There was already talk of doing that earlier, which apparently is not in the cars now because Warner Brothers Interactive is one of the few departments in the black now mm-hmm. so in, in the new evaluation. Um, who knows? Who knows at this point? Yeah. Uh, my game of forever has got to be Ocarina of Time. And I think as time goes on, it just gets further solidified. Because I think a lot of people assumed, okay, Ocarina of Time was a great game. And it kind of laid the template for how 3D games would be played. But I think most people assume that over time, we would find better ways to do a lot of the things that the way we did them in Ocarina of Time. And that has not turned out to be the case. Still, the way the lock-on and all the elements of that game, the way that they work, mm-hmm. are still being used today. Real-time cinematics. Back then, all the cinematics on PlayStation were all pre-rendered, the CG things that just played off of the CD. Obviously, the way Nintendo decided to do cinematics for Ocarina of Time is the way that the future would be foretold. Now, almost all cinematics are real-time. That's the industry mm-hmm. standard. There are just so many things in ocarina of time that are you, still being used in modern 3d development that- i think if you like update the graphics the only thing that really feels you know deficient by modern standards in ocarina is the combat yeah like everything else is pretty much still the way we're making hold. games yeah. it's pretty insane also like- my game of the forever is not no man's sky uh my favorite game of all time is shadow of the colossus okay um no man's sky would probably be my top 10 though yeah uh anyway i think that's a pretty easy pick it's just you know, I, when I started in the industry, like I launched my fan site when I was in college in 97, and it was an N64 and Dreamcast site. I never would have dreamed that a game that would come out like a year later, that I would be sitting here 20 some years later talking about that game still as something that is still yeah. a template for how games are made. It's, it's mind boggling. There's not a lot of stuff from a quarter century ago that holds up. Go play some of those other 3D games and then come back and talk to me about yeah, it. You go you go play Glover and tell me there's a god. It's <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it is so far ahead of its time. It is still mind blowing. Ocarina of Time, my game of forever, hands down. <laughs> Um, Ashes in the Hourglass. What's the toughest challenge you've completed in a game? Mine would be getting the hell ending in Spelunky. That's a good one. I mean, I can't even begin to fathom. Like, you guys, you don't understand. Like, games used to be so hard. All of them. Like, you could make a game, if it played itself, it would probably take an hour and a half or two hours to complete it. But they're so hard that it would take us days and days Mm. to finish these games. So I could go back to, like, the 15th level of River Raid or whatever. Like, games were just so much yeah, harder. There were, there were Apple IIe games that took me years Yeah, to I mean, just any of those, the older games are way harder. Even harder than, like, mm. Dark Souls and Elden Ring, like, all that stuff. Like, games just used to be way harder than they are now. Yeah, it would have been, like, finishing Double Dragon on one quarter. Stuff like that. That's, be on one quarter. Yeah. I used to do, like, one quarter arcade stuff. stuff. Arcade stuff. Just having to be able to finish, like, a game with a dollar or whatever. Yeah. Like, that took freaking skill, man. Or, uh, um, what uh, the final puzzle of Battletech: The Crescent Hawks Inception was the most of two. <laughs> I don't I, even remember that. I, it was a it was like a, a strategy RPG from on the on the Apple and the Commodore and, and I think maybe on the Amiga. Um, it, it, and like it was a it was a it was a ripoff to some degree because the whole 
plot was you were trying to find this cache of uh, hidden um, convertible mechs, which were literally the transforming jets from uh, Robotech to get off the planet. And when you find them, it's over. Like you never get to use the transforming mechs. But the final puzzle was you got finally got to your dad's like like secret like underground base thing and you had to solve some star map puzzle to open the door that got you into the cache to get the and you just take them and fly away basically that's the end of the game the star map puzzle there's just no fucking clue how it works and you have to like activate star deactivate and it's just it's like multiple screens wide and it took me years i would play through every once in a while i just like i'm gonna play crescent ox and try it again yeah and one i must have been the seventh eighth ninth time i played it I figured it out, yeah. and I'm like, I finally got the transplant, and the game was over. Yeah, was like, like, but that was very hard, just in the sense that there was no way to. If you were stuck on something like that in 1987, there's nothing. I didn't know anyone else who owned the game. I didn't know any. You like, better hope you had friends. There was no that- internet to look around. <laughs> that was it. Like you were stuck. There was no hint book because yeah. it was too minor of a game. There was I, a wireframe dungeon crawl game that wasn't wizardry it looked like wizardry but it's like a vectrex style game it's all just wireframe black and white and you just went through these dungeons and like eventually you'd run into a wizard and like it took us almost two years to beat that effing wizard Mm. i cannot remember what the name of the game was but just stuff like that man there were a lot of games like that there were yeah a lot of stuff like that is what i would say um, from Swanland, do you think we'll see a Prince of Persia entry within the Assassin's Creed universe like Matt said would be interesting in a previous episode? No. No. I'm really I, wondering I, I, if, I like, that would work, the Prince is done. Like, Sounds like Prince of Persia is just go- is gone. I mean, even this remake that they're supposed to be working on. Like, That's it dead as feels, far as I yeah, can tell. Yeah, it seems like it's just gone. Like, really, what's happened is that Assassin's Creed has, is Assassin's what... Assassin's Creed supplanted Prince yeah, of Persia. Yeah, I mean, it just replaced it. The original Assassin's Creed was supposed to be a Prince of Persia game. Yeah. And they basically took one more shot with that 2008 one with Nolan, starring Nolan North and uh, as Nolan North as the Prince of Persia. Yeah. And that was that. Yep. Um, from Sneaky, flying back from Japan in a few days. You're in Japan right now. It's weird time for you. You must be up... Either... What time is it, actually? So it would be 10 hours before... But tomorrow. But tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you're like in the middle of the night there. You must have never got caught up on like your your jet lag. Uh, have a safe trip, though. Um, should I play Pokemon Diamond or Arceus to keep me sane or something else? I tend Oof. to like Pokemon every few years, but not sure which one is better. Um, I would play Arceus because it's different. So if you've been, if you've played a lot of Pokemon already, if you want something a little bit different, I think that's your choice. But Pokemon Diamond is fine if you just want to play the traditional, more yeah. style of the Diamond Pokemon. might be better on a plane. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Yeah, maybe that's your pick. Less fine aiming. Yep. Uh, one from Vincent. With all your desire for a new Ninja Gaiden, what do you think of Wanted Dead? I have not checked it out enough to know. Yeah, I haven't unfortunately. Seen it um steady decline do you think volition might be done if saints row sales are terrible it might yeah i don't know i mean it's embracer so probably not i would also argue that it might be deserved i mean it's hard to remember a studio that's been around that long that released a game as inept as saints row yeah i'm not sure what's i mean i don't know if a lot of key people are gone or like i don't know i mean frankly i'm stunned that agents of mayhem didn't kill that franchise dead how did it survive yeah I don't know. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure because because Embracer came in and was like, "Hey, let's try this thing that worked before." And yeah, I mean, we'll see what sales look like. I guess it's not like they have a lot of competition. Yeah. Uh, from Drifter J, Shane, are you interested in Warzone Two at all, or have you moved on from that type of battle royale? 
I no, I haven't moved on from battle royales at all. Um, I try them all usually when they come out. Um, so I will try Warzone two, um, but I tried the first Warzone, and what I found was that I just preferred to play team deathmatch. Like mm-hmm. to me, team deathmatch is the purest form of online shooting. It's like it's us versus you, who can kill the other guy more often without having to worry about objection uh, or objectives and all this other crap going on. To me, team deathmatch purest form of online competition for shooters. So. I tend to stick with that. Like I played the first Warzone for a few days, and that's usually the extent that I play most battle royales. I play, for, I usually play until I win. That's usually how it works. Once I figure out how to manipulate a battle royale into a point where I can beat it and get finish first, that's usually where I kind of lose interest in it. I know it's weird. Uh, a lot of people may get invigorated by that and be like, "Well, I want to do it again." Like I always feel like I've solved some kind of a puzzle when I finish first in a battle royale. Um, but I will give Warzone 2 a chance, absolutely. Um, and maybe we can get together and we can play together. I am Denfire on everything, by the way. If you guys want to add me to your friends list on any console, that is my gamer tag. Uh, see if you guys have any more. Uh, you guys are talking a lot amongst yourselves, but not many questions. Gohan Rage, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Um, okay, I think that's it. Sneaky thanking us for a great show. Thank you for being a great part of the chat, as always, every week. And again, I hope you have a safe trip back home. Um, a couple things before we go. As I said at the beginning of the show, there is no Game Face next week. I think as I'm sitting here now, I'm pretty confident that there's just not going to be a show. Uh, because I hate pushing a show to a Friday and then trying to do another one on Tuesday, even just doing the show last Wednesday and doing another one on Tuesday in six days makes it more difficult. You'd be surprised how that one day you can get an extra story or two that makes the show a lot easier to put together. Uh, So there, again, I am going on a legit leaving LA vacation for Labor Day weekend. I'm going back to Pennsylvania, which most people would not think is a vacation. If you live in LA, maybe I should have a staycation, Uh, but I'm going back to Pennsylvania. It's not being covered in snow will feel like a vacation. It was hot as balls there, Matt. It's like 100 degrees there right now, like 95% humidity. It's going to be that like here, too. Yeah, so. I know. It's getting it's getting hot here, too. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I am, uh, I'm gone for Labor Day, and I don't get back until next Tuesday. And I need a couple days to play games before I can come back and talk to you guys. So chances are there's probably not going to be an episode next week. you got to put yourself through Steel Rising. What did you say? you got to put yourself through Steel Rising. Yeah, exactly. Um, the good news is when we do come back, we will, have, we will have a few games to discuss, not the least of which will be The Last of Us Part 1, which comes out in a few days here. So we will be a little late getting on that one, but I think for the most part we should be okay. But we'll miss you guys, obviously. Uh, but anyway, no show next week. Um, and then we'll be back the following week. Uh, if you're watching the show on YouTube or you listen to the show on any of the podcast services, and it's on all of them, um, it would be great if you could check out our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. Uh, you can pledge a dollar a month, bajillion dollars a month, whatever you want, and we appreciate every dollar, everyone who contributes there. We know you guys by name, and we appreciate all of you guys very much. It would be very helpful. Uh, we are propped up 100% by our Patreon, and so if we don't get money there, we're not getting it anywhere. So if you can go check that out, that would be great. If you have no money, you can help us out with Twitch Prime. Um, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can give us a free $2.50 every month. Most of the people watching this stream already get it because they do it live. But if you're watching the show on YouTube and you want to figure out how you can help us without having to spend any of your own money, just head down to the description. There are step-by-step instructions down there that make it very, very easy. Um, Anything you want to say before we go on a little bit of a two-week hiatus here, Matt? I don't think so. No? Um, 
Nah. No? All right. Much love, people. We yep. love you guys to death. You guys are the best chat on all of Twitch, in my opinion. You guys are amazing. Um, fight TJK. When will this archive be up? It'll be up tomorrow. I actually leave tomorrow at 1 p.m. So it is going to be a scramble to get this episode up before I leave. But I promise you that it will happen. If I have to stay up all night tonight, it will definitely happen. So the archive will be up tomorrow, as always. Um, so don't sweat that. I will all. say it's funny that from this angle, because I got the monitor here, so I don't see the bottom of your shirt. So all I see is the black and then the yellow. And so you, I constantly look over and think you're in a Star Trek uniform. Oh, this is um, FC Barcelona. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a football shirt. Yeah. Like, because, uh, you know, if you look at this, it's just, it's just a stripe. It's yeah. a yellow stripe. But I can't see the yellow stripe. Well, the shirt's kind of cool, too, because the stripe kind of, so like... So you just look like you're working for Jordy in the, in the <laughs> engineering. I actually love this this jersey, because the yellow actually fades from, like, a dark yellow to lighter. And it's actually on, like, an angle. And if, like, I, if I put my... You can see the illusion, like, if I put my arm down. Like, I think the soccer jersey's brilliant. I bought it when I went to Barcelona. And I always do that. I always get, like, some sports team something when I go to a country. So when I go to Greece in October, I'll probably be coming back with some football soccer paraphernalia from Greece or something like that. But uh, anyway. Everybody you guys going are... to Greece. So many people I know going to Greece. I know. Adam Sessler just got back from Greece. Sessler's over there. And I know a couple people. I think Abby's going. It's weird. I, think, I know like seven people going to Greece in the next two months. They're smart. You might run into some of them. It's possible. It could happen. Uh, anyway, much love to you guys. You guys are awesome. All our patrons, everyone who shows up for our live streams, I love you very much. Um, but I will not miss you while I'm finally taking some time off. It's not even really all that much time because Labor Day weekend is a three-day weekend. But any amount of days that I can get and to catch up and see my mom and some of my family will be awesome. So hopefully you guys have you can handle life without us here for a couple weeks. I need some time off. I'm sure you guys understand it. Everyone understands it. Everyone needs some time off. Um, but we'll see you on the other side. Game face is up and out.